this week, three sides of the coin. Let's just say this is all about Kiss and concert tour merchandising. And at some point in this interview of this episode, you're going to see the very first test print of a concert t-shirt of Kiss with no makeup for the Lick It Up tour. The absolute first test print. Cool. We, ha we have it here and we're showing it to you. And the guy who owns it is talking to us this week. This is Three Sides of the Coin. Talking all things Kiss. I want to rock and roll all night. You're listening to Three Sides of the Coin. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Three Sides of the Coin. Last week we had everybody. This week it's just Tommy and Mike. Mm -hmm. Even though, even though, didn't Lisa say something last week? Like it's her goal for this year to be on every show or something like that. Oh yeah, I knew it would start out this way. You know, next week she's not here. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yep, and and Mark uh, is having some anal warts removed. <laughs> <laughs> Leave it at that. Yeah. Medical procedure. Sorry, medical he, procedure. He, he, he wasn't going to be comfortable sitting. Nope. <laughs> God, you're so bad. Oh, like he wouldn't say it if I wasn't here. No, I know. I know. Um, no, no comments really on because it just just went up on last week's episode with Billy Rowe from Buck Cherry and Jet check Boy. It out. Um, check, check, it, check it out. He's, he's a Kiss fan all the way back, true through and through. So, yeah. Um, you know, and I, oh, they actually Kiss just today as we we're recording this, they announced a festival show in Columbus, Ohio yes. in May. Yep. Yep. Um, I can't remember the, the name it's a of Danny, it. It's a Danny Wimmer presents. Yeah. Um, and it is a, Oh God! What is the name it's of a it? Th it's a three-day festival. Yeah, Kiss, Kiss, Kiss is headlining, is head headlining last the last the last night. I think Rob Zombie is up there with them. And Andy and Blackville Brides will be there. Okay, cool. Yep, it's it's actually a nice four-day lineup. Wimmer always does a great job. Just the one thing you need to remember, though, is if you decide to go to a Danny Wimmer presents, he does everything huge. So be prepared that you're going to have to walk a distance between stages. You have to be patient to wait in line to get food or something to drink because it's such a popular festival. But it's totally worth going because it's probably one of the best run festivals. Cool. So, yeah, it's nice to see Kiss headlining that. Yep. yep. Um, I do find it interesting. You know, Gene announced a few weeks ago that he knows they know where the last show is going to be and when it is. And there's a hundred new shows. And this week, Paul comes out and says, he has no idea what Gene's talking about. <laughs> it's, news. Right. It's, it's news to Paul that there's a hundred more dates and that they know where the last show is. Take it for whatever it means, people. It's not the first time Paul has contradicted something Gene has said. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly. So we have no idea what the, what the deal is yet. So we're just going to have to wait it out and find out when everyone else does. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. Let's get into we've got a great guest and interview this week. Um, if you like 
concert merchandising, you like tour merchandising, um, if you like learning about the behind the scenes, we've got Frank Vacanti, who I worked with um, when I was working with Kiss at Sony Signatures and Signatures Network. But Frank takes us all the way back to the early days of Winterland merchandising. He takes us back to how he discovered Kiss debut album. I mean, this is this is somebody who he went and saw Kiss in Toronto around 74, 75. Yeah, which is amazing. Amazing. Very early. So um, we got two hours of incredible discussions. And at some point during this interview, Frank shows us the very first test print of a T-shirt for Kiss Lick It Up Without Makeup. The very first test print of Kiss Without Makeup for the Lick It Up Tour. He possesses it because he created it. So this is an amazing interview. You want to let it roll. Stay right through the very end. Thecoin.com. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow and rate us on Spotify. Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. We appreciate your support. Three sides of the coin. Uh, I don't know why it took me so long to bring this guest on, but I'm super excited to have a longtime old friend, Frank Vacanti, join us. Frank is uh, here in the San Francisco area. And background, Frank and I worked together when I worked with KISS at uh, what it started as Sony Signatures and then Signatures Network, yes. um, the merchandising company that, that represented KISS. Frank was... Uh, designer artist he's the guy who uh you know among many things created tour books and tour t-shirts and not just for kiss i mean we'll dig into it i mean frank has a long history in tour merchandising yes <laughs> so so why don't why don't you frank why don't you give us a little little bit of your backstory how did you get involved with tour merchandising and when did you discover kiss and all of that boy okay well i'll just start off at the very beginning uh when i was 13 1968 my dad bought me a psychedelic poster a kelly a kelly mouse poster the blue-haired lady big brother and the holding company i don't know if you know this it's oh yeah old yep but uh I got this psychedelic poster with this beautiful art and I'm 13 and I'm just starting to turn on to this stuff. And my dad was just so instrumental and so cool about this. Uh, he bought me a Jefferson airplane album. And so this is how I kind of started getting into this and to, I'll, I'll keep it pretty short, but I started really getting into the psychedelic posters really liked them a lot. And then I was buying a magazine called I Magazine back then. It was a life, life or look size magazine, a big magazine. You get a free psychedelic poster in it. And in there, there was an ad. It said, send $1 for a catalog and we'll send you one free Fillmore poster. So my brother and I pooled together, put 50 cents in a piece, sent away. And it just so happened our free poster was an absolute first pressing of the flying eyeball, Jimi Hendrix poster. Okay. Along with a catalog of all the posters that were available. I still have that catalog. It's folded up because I took it to junior high school in my locker 
and I was selling these posters to my buddies. And everybody wanted these psychedelic posters. And so I'm not dealing drugs. I'm selling rock and roll <laughs> posters in, in just as addictive, school, you know, out of my locker and, and making enough money. So where I got mine for free and I made a couple bucks on the side because my orders were getting big enough to where I could wholesale. So, you know, things started clicking in my little, you know, 13, 14 year old brain. Uh, I was also in a band at that time, extremely into music. Uh, I can't really explain. Well, yeah, I guess I can, you know, it's just, it was such a different time. It's hard to really put your finger on it, but I, I have something that I wanted to show you guys. Okay. Cause this is 1968 and I'm a kid. I like Spider-Man comic books. Okay. And I'm mm-hmm. buying Spider-Man comics. And what's on the first page is an ad for Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention. We're only in it for the money out. So I got to go buy this out, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm 13, okay? And I'm looking for Frank Zappa albums. This is how we got our information. You know, there was no internet. There was no nothing. And when you're as young as I was, it was pretty much comic books. And uh, which will lead me right into Kiss. I mean, the comics back then were so cool. I got to show you one more here. This one's just beautiful. It's a girl's comic, Heartthrobs, right? Mm-hmm. She's saying here, Never I'm leaving him because I couldn't be his kind of girl. But she's no. carrying a Jimi Hendrix record. Right. I mean, that's subversive, you know? It was just these, these comic artists were just so cool. And comic books, I'd see ads for Moby Grape. And, you know, it'd be a monkey's issue and you'd see something from Moby Grape. But yeah. they were getting to you through the visuals in the comic books. And then do you still have was, your um do you still have that first poster the eyeball poster i do yes i do excellent yes i do <laughs> most people would say no to that so that's pretty impressive you know i've talked to a lot of my friends because we sold quite a few of that one that one wasn't actually the biggest seller the biggest seller i had was one called the sound because it was a a, a full frontal nude girl dancing and oh, oh there you go well yeah why well, you know <laughs> have to have that but yeah, it's like 13 year old kids gotta have the nude poster oh, yeah, yeah the only one that wouldn't like, have wanted that would be our co-host mark yes. yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh funny but it's funny because with these with this posters i talked to a lot of my friends and they all bought them too but you know their nieces got crayons on them and stuff yep. and it's like yep. you know they just but that was yeah. really what it was back then you were just buying it you weren't thinking about the future this was no. just oh well, yeah back, back 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 then collecting was not a thought on anybody's mind you no. didn't buy something to collect it and save it you bought something to put it on the wall to read it to use it yes consume it. and the tackles are still yep. in the poster the, yep. the patina you know everything it's like and it's a beauty you know it's just beautiful but yeah, it just, but it, it, it kind of leads me into, you know, a lot of things that come next because uh, after getting turned on by these posters uh, and being into comic books, I found out like the first comic conventions were in New York City. A guy named Phil Suling put them on. And I found out about these comic conventions and I had this in on these posters. 
So I started ordering like real bulk. I was getting them for 25 cents a piece and rolls of a hundred. So it was 25 bucks. So, you know, I'm working at the ski rack or whatever. And, and I grew up in Western New York, by the way, in Buffalo, right near Buffalo. And, uh, so I'm buying these posters and I'm taking them to New York City and I'm selling them at comic conventions. And I, everybody's looking at me going, what are you doing this for? But this is art. This, and you had Rick Griffins and you had like all these different posters. I was selling, I, I still have one uh, Skull and Roses, Grateful Dead. I was actually getting 10 bucks on those and I was only paying 25 cents a piece. Wow. But that was great like, markup. Oh, you know, yeah. And the thing is, I bought a car. So do I have any regrets? No. I, you know, it was <laughs> sure. like awesome. I'd come back from these shows with a ton of money. And, uh, but it, it, it leads into what I'm talking about with Kiss because I think what, what happens in the 70s is very interesting. I grew up being very young, getting into my Jimi Hendrixes and my creams and my, but being in, in Western New York, we were very close to Detroit and New York City. So I really wanted to see Country Joe and the Fish. I really wanted to see Big Brother and the Holding Company, but all we had were like the Velvet Underground, Aerosmith, the Stooges and the MC5. Oh, that okay? just sucks. <laughs> so, but it's like, but I'm still really young. So I, I can't really even get into a lot of these shows. My dad was awesome. He took me and my, and my friend and, and my brothers and sisters and cousins. And we all went to see The Who in 1968. So it was like, and that's really my point of what really got me to this music is it's just like, it just drove me out of my head. I was out of my skull. I mean, the who were sitting there and Tommy isn't even out yet and they're playing magic bus. And it's like, you just went through the roof and they're busting up their equipment and the smoke bombs are going off. Everything you would want when you're a kid. And from that moment, I really get hooked. Uh, and then as I'm getting older, you know, I'm, I'm still only in junior high school and high school. And so uh, unlike a lot of my older friends, all these new bands are coming out like Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin. You know, a lot of my my the, the friends I was hanging out with that were like in high school just couldn't see it. But of course, we loved it. We had a band and, you know, we could cover Stooges songs. And I, I got a Led Zeppelin book where Jimmy Page showed you how to play Good Times, Bad Times. And my guitar playing just went up really quick with that. So we're playing all this music that people are kind of familiar with. But it's still not really being played on the radio that much or anything. But, you know, we were hip kids. And so we were really reading comic books and finding out about all this stuff. So anyway, it just gets me into music, as you can tell. I'm just a huge sure. fan. And, uh, and I learned really early on, too, that you can be just a fan of everything. Because the other thing I wanted to really point out is back then, your AM radio, you would go from you know, Buck Owens to the Beatles to, mm -hmm. you know, to whatever, you know, it was like, yeah. and it was all the same. You didn't really differentiate. It was just music. You know, I mean, later on, I would go to, I'd go see the Rolling Stones. And then that next weekend, I go see Liza Minnelli. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it's a big show. It's a lot of music. And <laughs> why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why wouldn't you? It, it is and we talk about that a lot on the show, how we can't, as our age group, we can't get people to understand pre-internet and pre-cell phone and all that. But what I think is really fascinating, so fascinating that you mentioned 
is I'm sitting here listening to you thinking, okay, here's someone who's in our age group, a little bit older, who grew up on the 60s music, because I did too, 50s and 60s, I have yes. older siblings. But my brother is about your age, maybe a little bit older. Now, he looked at Kiss as a joke yeah. and would have never, ever embraced them and became a Kiss fan. So I really want to hear from you. What was it about you that you looked at this and went, okay, these guys are really cool. And you embraced it versus so many people like my brother who were like, this is a joke, you know, cause they're like into Bob Dylan. No, that's a, that's a really good point. Cause everybody, this is goes back to Rolling Stone magazine and everybody, everybody was a snob. Yeah. Right? Totally. And when you're a kid, it goes back to my first who experience. It's like, whatever <laughs> Mick Jagger said it best in the film performance. The only performance that makes it, that makes it all the way is the one that creates madness. And he says that in that movie. And I never forgot it because it's whatever could, I mean, you know, getting even just pre-kiss Black Sabbath, you know, the Stooges. I mean, all these people are looking at me like I'm some kind of moron, but it's like, you got to understand if you came through comic books and you see, this is where I think Kiss really nailed it. You know, because right before Kiss, I got into, I was into the Stooges already. I mean, I walked into a record store with $5 of Christmas money to buy a Hunchback of Notre Dame model because I was still building monster models. And as I'm walking through the record department, there's the first Stooges album. And just on the cover alone, I bought it because they looked so frigging cool. So uh, as we get closer to Kiss, I kept thinking like I'm going to comic conventions and I'm seeing all this really great art. And the first album I bought actually was the New York Dolls. I walked into Record Runner in, in Buffalo and there they opened a box and right on top of the box was the first New York Dolls album. And I'm looking at it going, what the heck is this? Got to take it home. I'm playing it and it really rocks. And uh, so I end up going to see my buddy to take him this record to play for it. And we play it and we go, boy, that's really great. And he goes, by the way, have you heard this? And he pulls out the first kiss. <laughs> and now, now my mind is blown, you know, because the New York Dolls, the only thing they got wrong is people just couldn't get over the dresses. You know, Motley Crue proved if you just butch it up, you're going to do fine. But Kiss did something totally different. They looked like comic books. They, they melded. This is why I brought up the comic connection, because we are all into the artwork. We are all into the comic books. And then all of a sudden, you got these guys that are writing these tunes that look like this. And how could you, how could you not love it? You know, it's just and it's- and and as as we all know, as Kiss fans, Gene Simmons grew up like you, loving comic books exactly. and loving horror movies and loving yes. that visual. So, you know, looking back, it, it's easy, but that was how that influence hit. Kiss. It wasn't. It wasn't them calculating, going, "Oh my God, yes, the comic book market's exploding." Yeah, and we, you know, it, it, it was literally just Gene going, "I've always wanted to be, you know, vampire. I've always wanted to yeah. be Godzilla. I've always, you know, and I'm going to do that." But and, I think- and the brilliance of it was, you had Alice Cooper, you had other people, but look at those images. They weren't as 
palatable. Well, here's here's how I I've always described it. You know, comic books, you you could look at a comic book and you could read Batman, Spider-Man, Superman, any of those superheroes or villains. And in the back of your head, you always know. They're, they're not real. They're just yeah. made up. They're just comic book characters, but they're really cool. I love yes. what they're doing, but I'm never going to see Spider-Man on the street. Yes. Kiss became real life superheroes in the 70s because they looked like superheroes or they looked like demons. And you could you could go to a concert and you could see them on stage, yes. real life. And just like, you know, the, the biggest um, superheroes, they had their identities, their secret identities. Exactly. That, that they could take, they could take, you know, they could take the Superman cape off and go out in public and no one's going to know they're Clark Kent. Exactly. So you, you know, they'll be Clark Kent, but nobody will know they're Superman. So as a kid, it really brought that comic book into the real, real world. It now actually existed. We knew Godzilla was fake. Scared yeah. the hell out of us. <laughs> but we, we, and we had nightmares about Godzilla, but you still knew Godzilla wasn't real. Yeah. Gene Simmons was real. He that was, was real. And that was the genius of it because they, they took what other, other people were doing shocking things. I mean, this, when I saw the Stooges live, it was like you were scared. You didn't know what was going to happen next. It was. It wasn't scared bad. It was scared good. And it's anticipation scared. And seeing, I don't know if people feel that way anymore. Yeah, I think people have gotten into spectacles so much, and they're just not used to the shock of this. Well, there's been so much shock over the decades now yes. that you've everybody's. You know. That you start as you you mentioned Alice Cooper back then he was shocking he wasn't yes. a superhero he was a person yeah um but then you take you take Alice Cooper and Kiss steps it up and then you yeah. take Kiss and and Motley Crue and Wasp step it up and then Marilyn Manson steps it up and now it's just like shock for shock factor how yes. can we out shock the band that influenced myself growing up. And, you know, it's just like, it's like horror movies. You know, I remember um, seeing the very first Friday the 13th, the oh, very yeah. first one in the theater, scary as shit. Yeah. Friday the 13th part two comes out. Not yeah. scary anymore. It's over. <laughs> you, you've already seen it. You've already yeah. seen part one. You know what's going on. So I think we've gotten to that point now where we are in, you know, in 2023, it's hard to shock people. It yeah, really yeah. is hard to, to create shock. The only thing that shocks people now is as actually reality shocks people. Yeah. When yeah. you, you now, you're now able to see the reality, of what happens in other countries to other people around the world yeah. that will shock you. But entertainment really can't shock anymore. In my opinion, you're, you're right. right. Well, and, and you kind of answered your question, my question, and just listening to you speak, I had an aha moment. It's the comic book connection because my brother didn't have that. And so I think being you, being the type of person that likes comic books, you were open to more of it because really, I know all of the stuff you're speaking of with the Stooges and the Dolls and all that, but I found that way later. Yeah. Um, so like my brother, 
he would have never bought a Mothers of Invention record because it wouldn't have been on KQ. Yeah. So he was buying Steve Miller and and all of that kind of stuff, which is all fine. But they they look at Kiss differently than from your point of view. You came to it from the comic standpoint, and I could see where you were more open to it. Oh yeah, because they they I had seen Alice Cooper already. I saw them, and uh, it was the Killer Tour. Uh, Blue Oyster Cult opened up. There's another one I love. I yeah. love Blue Oyster Cult. But everything was leading up to, and I know that they probably just stumbled into it, but somehow these four guys from New York just put this package together. The whole thing of not seeing them without their makeup, the whole thing of just this persona, the whole thing that, you know, you had Paul inviting the girls in and 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 Gene's the, the demon guy that all the guys are relating to. And Ace is just, you know, just playing this great guitar. I mean, I've always been an Ace Fraley fan. Uh, you know, they just... It worked. It worked. And I don't want to leave Peter out either because everything was in a balance and it just worked. And to see yeah. them then, especially in like small theater, to see them, you know, doing their, their, they get together and do their, their act together. And it's, it's a rock show, but yet it's not, it's something different. It's something elevated it. And the fact that, you know, they're that first album is just a killer album. You know, right. I mean, I just right up to when I was just in my band a while ago, we were still playing Strutter. I mean, the 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 stuff that they wrote on those first three albums is still like just the core of what they do even live today. Yeah. It's just amazing stuff. These albums, and then of course coming out with Hotter Than Hell with that Japanese cover, everything was just sold to you in a way that you could just understand. They they re they really adopted visual as much as the music you yes. know not and not just the makeup and the costumes but the visual of the show the hotter than hell the visual of the artwork they and and they 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 brought both together and married them very well and and i think tommy to your point that's what a lot of quote purist music fans didn't like they were just right. like it's you know it led zeppelin you know i just want the music i want the guitars you know uh, you know this 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 visual cartoon stuff that's for the kids that's for my younger brother and exactly. and and they didn't they they saw it first and didn't listen to the music if they listened to the music on that first album they'd go christ close your eyes. This is as heavy as, as anything that you're listening to right now, but they open their eyes. They see the cover first and go, this can't be serious. Yeah. Right. You know, and, that, and, and actually, you know, goes... and, and that, and that, that, that is what I don't want. I don't know if hurt is the right word, but that is what followed kiss to this day. People saw kiss first with the eyes and then wrote off the quality of the music. You know, immediately i call it the monkeys syndrome the monkeys were one of the great bands of the 60s yep. you look at those albums i mean basically the birds first album is their same backup band that the monkeys had and they only kept roger mcguinn's guitar and then their vocals and then the rest was all done by wrecking crew same thing with beach boys records these records were great they had the best songwriters carol king and and Geffen Gary Goffin and, Goffin yeah. and all that. And these albums were great. But the thing is, Rolling Stone magazine just couldn't get over 
this teen quality TV show made, yep. you know, built yep. in when these guys are, are musicians, they're singers, they're writers, they had already proven themselves plenty of times. Well, they had and, Neil Diamond writing for him. I mean, Jesus, yes. it doesn't get much yeah. better than that. Those guys, no. yeah, I agree with you. But it's really fun for me to have you on today too, Frank, because I in all, we've been doing this 10 years, 10 years. I know, it's amazing. God. Your fans are the best. I love the fans. <laughs> oh, but to have someone like you on that has the history is something we haven't had very many opportunities to do. Most people all have great stories have come in destroyer rock and yeah. roll over so so to hear you say now they come out with hotter than hell and it looks like this that's <laughs> fascinating to me so please share with our listeners a little more about when you how you when you got into them but as they progressed share some of those memories that a lot of people would have never seen for the first time sure well first i'll start with hey Eight track, number eight one. track tape nice. of the debut album. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed, and it still plays. It Good. still goes in my car. I, still... I was going to say, do you still have an eight track player in your car? I do. Yes. There and you go. I keep it up, and I keep my tapes up. Uh, Sometimes when they get the warble, they're dead. But this one's held up well. Some of those early That's tapes. Great. Well, but you know, yeah. and, and right, right, right now, there's some Kiss collector cringing, going, "Oh my God, you've got." a debut eight track tape of kiss and you actually play it you're freaking nuts that should be <laughs> that that should be preserved you know something this stuff to me i grew up with it and i still hang the posters up I just, yep, I'm, I'm with you it's to be I, enjoyed it's not I to be I don't, boxed if you, away if you take a comic book and you slab it it stops being a book you know if you start you know, it's it's just not what it's supposed to be, and I'm just too old school. Well, I and think. I think that that also too, from a collecting standpoint, I, some people have lost the the idea behind collecting. And I think you know we could argue all day long about Mark and his collection, but he's always said to me, and I'm going to believe him until something changes, that he's doing it for the love of doing it. He's not doing it for the monetary side of it. Yeah. So the moment you allow yourself to become too financially dependent on the collection itself or why you're collecting, it's no longer collecting. Now it's something different. It turns into a job. So, exactly. but, 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 you know, totally let, let, let's be honest. Gene and Paul kind of uh, helped this whole collecting craze on oh, on their oh, own by just, oh. Oh, all right, we'll release anything you freaking want and you buy it. And, oh, it's it's limit. You know, Frank, again, we you know, we grew up in the merchandising company. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a limited edition. Yeah, it's limited edition to however many we can sell. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you we'll know, that's the interesting thing, too, is when you look at KISS in history, this is very interesting for me, because in 1955 and 56, Elvis Presley hits. And for the first time, all of a sudden, there's all this merchandise. I've got a 1956 Elvis Presley t-shirt in my collection, and it's just cool. part of my shirt collection. And it's like, you could get belt buckles and pencils and pencil erasers and pencil sharpeners and all the school stuff and jeans and jewelry and and they came out with all this really cool stuff and everybody's buying it and uh the colonel that's the one genius he was he could he did that you know and the only other people that came close people don't realize you know when you went to see pat boone or chuck berry there was no 
merchandise. There is merchandise for Elvis Presley only. And really it doesn't get rivaled until the Beatles show up. And so the Beatles show up. Uh, unfortunately, Brian Epstein wasn't quite the deal maker because I don't think the Beatles made much on their merch, but there was a ton of it out there. And then after that, you kind of get the monkeys and you get a few others, but Kiss took what everybody else did before and frankly just did it a hundred times better. Yeah. You know, they, they just put together exactly what they knew they should and what they should sell. A coin management was just brilliant. You know, they, it was just amazing. The, the products that they could put together. I was on a line this winter and somebody found a page in an old Sears catalog that had a page of Kiss toys you could get yep. for Christmas. I've got a Beatles one like that from 1964, but I've never seen the Kiss one, but it was just genius. So they took image and they took everything before. It was a natural progression. And of course, with the comic, uh, overtones it was just a market you know do you have a photo of that of what the of, of that ad oh the beatles ad no the kiss one i saw it online and i should have copied okay. it but i didn't if you see it again please cap copy it and send it to us because i've never seen it and i would love to share that with our listeners oh yeah that'd be really cool I'll, i'd I'll like to see the beatles one too i mean i and and that kind of is a you're, you're making the point that that kiss was not the first one to do this no. elvis was the beatles yeah. all these other bands did do it it's just kiss did it better and somehow that offends the rolling stone elite well and i think that that's really ridiculous too i mean don't we're not going to go off on rolling stone because no it's not I mean, these it. are the guys that you know gave rod stewart's every picture tells a story a bad review i mean these guys are horrible they were just yeah. terrible and they never got it they never understood it well i but think they anyway, do that just to be edgy yeah i think so so yeah. anyway young frankie here he's, he's finally he goes to work after high school i go to work with my dad and my dad is really just an amazing guy and and he's an art and i go out and i start doing artwork with him and he starts taking me to factories and this may sound boring but this is the nuts and bolts of it all of a sudden i'm into screen print factories and i'm watching how this stuff gets done yeah. and we're building artwork for stuff in fact the kiss come and drop their blood in the red ink in Buffalo, New York. I wasn't there the day they dropped the blood in for their comic, but I knew those guys that worked there and I had been to that factory. So I really? understood a lot of how to actually produce stuff. And this is going to come in really huge in a couple of years and we're going to get there as quickly as I can. So anyway, the recession comes and I've got to leave Buffalo. And so I figured, heck, I always wanted to go to San Francisco. So I get in my car, drive to Atlanta to see my brother first. Car breaks down. Now I'm in Atlanta, not in San Francisco. So I'm in Atlanta. In Atlanta, this is when KISS is now starting to really take off. And it's amazing to me. I mean, growing up in Buffalo, I'll put this in perspective. I saw Aerosmith open up for the New York Dolls. Okay, I saw Aerosmith open up for Jeff Beck. I saw Aerosmith open up for the Mahavishnu Orchestra. I Which saw Aerosmith, they were like a local house band. And yeah. all of a sudden I moved to Atlanta and they're headlining the Omni. I'm going, really? People are gonna pay to see this opening band? This is, this is like how early I was in this stuff. And uh, Kiss comes down, 
kiss comes down. So this, I'm, I might lose a little track here. I'm thinking this is right around Destroyer, maybe Destroyer tour. They they play Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, and it's a big show. It's got Blue Oyster Cult, Johnny and Edgar Winter. I mean, it's just a whole bunch of bands playing and Kiss is headlining. And by this time, they're far from the little candelabras on, on the stage. Right. And they've got like the full thing going, the, the rising drums and stuff. But this is like the first And And, and you, had, you hadn't seen them live yet. I saw them in the theaters. I saw them. At, at, there was a place in Toronto called the Victory Theater. And it was a just a dump, but it was pretty far away from Western New York, so oh, it, yeah. it was really hard to get to. But I saw the Stooges there uh, in September. This was all in '74 because the Stooges they broke up like seven shows later, and they were kaput. But we, they played like that winter, that early winter in '74, and then Kiss came. They, they, these were the underground bands, and then the New York Dolls played. And it was kind of in that order, but I didn't go up there for the New York Dolls because they were playing in Buffalo at Klein Ant's Music Hall. But Kiss had yet to come to Buffalo. So my buddies and I went up to Toronto. And what do you saw, remember about that show? You know, I- Anything? I, I remember, it's as much as I remember out of the Stooges, okay? I mean- No, that's okay. It, it, it was, I remember the excitement, the loudness, and it was the madness. That's what I remember. That's what you were going for. And mm -hmm. it was just madness. And, it and just, it's just a different type of madness. Because like, if you look at, say, you know, the Rolling Stones on Ed Sullivan, the way the girls are, are screaming, that's yes. madness. Yes. But that madness shifts as time goes on and you get a different kind of madness. The same manner in which the madness you get right now at a Slipknot show completely different than kiss yeah. not that it's any more or less palatable or successful but it's a different type of madness yes and frank, frank, frank do, you, do, do you do you remember any of the other crowd you know concert goers reactions was everybody there aware of kiss or were there a lot of people who were like unaware of what they were jaw dropping because and and where i'm going with this is we had a guest on last year at some point who saw kiss at the st louis kite fest yeah, i remember that, that yeah that would have been 70 was that 74 early yeah. 75 i can't remember somebody will correct us and you know he he described very well how you know there were just there were equally people that were aware of it and into it and there were people that were just like what am i witnessing here well, you know their their first reaction of like what is this you know, but they were they were enjoying it because the music was great, but they weren't sure what they were looking at. I think with this show, everybody, I, I talk about this a lot. The, this was a very tribal thing. And if you were in the know and you had the, the golden ticket to this, you could see it. And it was the same thing. I mean, I caught on to this. I was working. I used to work at the ski areas in Western New York and uh I would go in on Sunday mornings and open up and sweep up and get ready for all the action of renting skis to young girls my age. It was a great place to meet girls. It was awesome. <laughs> and I remember tuning, couldn't find the radio station and I tuned in a Toronto radio station and all I heard was the Stooges are going to be here next weekend because they, they, you didn't have six months to make your plans. You had a week. Right. And, all, and so I heard that, but 
I had to like get on the phone and I, I didn't even know the radio station and I couldn't get it back in. So I had to search it down. And when I found out it was this theater in Toronto called the Victory Theater. And it was an old burlesque theater. It had the stage that had the little, you know, walk out so the girls could walk out on it and stuff. And I saw the Stooges there and started staying in touch with it because Bachman Turner Overdrive would play there. And a lot of, you know, just uh, not really huge acts, but acts that were getting pushed, like sure. Kiss and the Dolls. I mean, Kiss, I don't even think their second album was out yet. That was Hotter Than Hell came out. I think they, they might have, I think they played a song or two often because I remember now. Uh, actually, I went online and somebody's posted the whole damn show on there. So I'm getting to relive it. But to get back to the audience, everybody was kind of, it was the same thing with the Stooges. They were there for a purpose. And it was very much, you could look at other people and go, ah, yeah, you know. You get it. You're cool. You get it. Yeah, this is where we're at. I mean, I went all the way from Buffalo, New York, up to Toronto to see it. So, And I suppose when you're used to seeing Jethro Tull, and then you go to see a show and Kiss comes out, it's got to be like, holy shit, what's this? Yes, and it was just how... And it's just how they even behaved, you know? I mean, all I remember is that Gene really reminded me more like a, a rat bat spider from, from the red, angry red planet or something. I, I just got a spider image in my head from you. So skinny and so, you know, and, and, and Paul was just like, you know, he's just pumping it for the girls. And Ace was just such a different player. And when they all three came up, and would do their their head shaking thing and stuff. It just drove everybody crazy. And it was that simple. All you had to do was show up, stand there and be what you were, whatever that character was. And it totally took, everybody was into it. Everybody, it was just amazing. It created madness. And that's why I got hooked and, and just stayed with it. You know, it was really cool. Was well, continue, really- continue your story from Atlanta. Okay, so anyway, in Atlanta, we're watching, uh, I'm seeing the show, and I'm looking at all these kids, and they are just, now the merch has kicked in, okay, and they're buying one of everything, posters and things, and whatever they got, it is selling, and I'm going, boy, again, you know, this looks like a great way to make a living, you know, I'd already been in a band, I realized I didn't want to go on the road, I wasn't good enough to be a professional musician, I could play in local bands, but that wasn't going to be my call. And uh, so I I really started looking at what that was. And they came back to Atlanta, I think that December was, the next time they came to Atlanta and played the Omni, I was ready, okay? Because by that time I had a job at the T-Shirtery and the T-Shirtery was doing a lot of production for Winterland who didn't have their own production facility yet. So Winterland was farming out a lot of their productions this pretty big print shop in Atlanta called the And and, and just so people know Winterland was was basically the first real legitimate business doing concert merchandising. Absolutely. Start started in San Francisco. Yes. And that that that's that will circle back into this story yes. as as you progress forward but so yes. people know what because people, KISS fans might go, well, Winterland, that's the place they played in San Francisco. Yeah, it is, because yes. Winterland, the merchandise company, was basically an idea of Del Ferrano and Bill yes. Graham. Bill Graham, who owns the Winterland Ballroom, turned to Dell and said, why don't you make and sell some Grateful Dead t-shirts? And there was the birth of concert yes. merchandising. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And we're going to get to that really yep. quick. So really what ends up happening is Kiss comes around again. I'm an airbrush artist, okay? I'm sitting in a window in front of the store right across from Peach's Records. And uh, they put me right in the front window and I'm like skinny as hell wearing tank tops with Mark Farner armbands and shit. And I am painting up a storm and I'm hand painting t-shirts. That's my job. And uh, I started, I, I was really into the tubes and the tubes had all those really big head shirts of their own faces. So I started doing this, this whole line of kiss shirts. In fact, I got one here. I'm gonna show it to you. Where is it here? I got one left, check it out. This was the stuff I was making. Okay. <laughs> I'm oh, that is that that's actually one of the shirts from back then. That is. It's got a 19. I put a little copyright on it. 77. There it is. So this had to be when they played the Omni in 77. So I was making these shirts. I had all four of them. And I put them up in the window and I would just bootlegging <laughs> you are you you didn't know you were bootlegging but you no were bootlegging. <laughs> no i'm just making kiss shirts because i did kiss and all these kiss fans start coming in and they're buying all this stuff because not only and this is the thing it's like they're not only buying my stuff they're buying all the dean and paul stuff too they're buying everything and it was just such a market and, I'm, and that's when i really started turning on to you know the whole idea of this merchandise okay and it was really fun and exciting. So anyway, a, another long story short, in a very short time in 1978, uh, I get a call to come out and work in San Francisco. They're opening a factory. And mainly it's because uh, T-shirtery were doing some questionable things. Like uh, we were, they had cheap trick and you went to the cheap trick show and the official merchandise was being sold outside off the books and stuff. I it was a yeah. little it was a little yeah. iffy here. I don't want to name names or anything, but uh, basically, what you learn about Bill Graham and Del Ferrano is you just don't dip your hands in their pockets. Yeah, no, you never take money from. Them. So anyway, I catch wind that they want to open their own factory because they're sick of dealing with all these people that just are taking their work. Cause whenever we needed shirts down at, uh, at the t-shirtery company store, we just call up t-shirtery. They'd print them up for us, send them to us and we'd sell them and keep all the money. Exactly. <laughs> it was like, it was just kind of the way it the, was. The, 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 the music business was the, it was the wild, wild west, west yes. in the seventies. Yes. Yep. But the opportunity to go work for Bill Graham, because even before well, actually with Del Ferrano, the, the whole Winterland started with those Fillmore Winterland posters. Yep. Bill Graham, I mean, basically he made a deal with bands and it was just don't make us look uncool. You know, nobody wanted to cash out. Nobody wanted to sell out. And contrary to popular belief, I went to see Alice Cooper in 71. I got a tour book. There was no t-shirts. That, that was, it didn't even exist yet. You know, it's like even when the Beatles, you could only get their shirt at Sears. They weren't selling them on the road. There, there was no machinery to, to handle. Right. So would it be buttons and stuff at a Beatles show? Uh, flags? Mainly they sold a lot of tour books. A lot okay, of tour programs. books. And the only other thing I've seen at the Beatles from the Beatles was they had a bunch of their VJ albums and they put a sticker on them that would say Cow Palace, San Francisco. And so they would get vinyl records and put a sticker on them and sell those. So they really, the merchandise just didn't, there was no, 
mechanics? How do you travel with this? No, no, you... no. Again, no a time. We always say on this show, as you know, Frank, yes. timeline is everything. Yes. The timeline in the 70s, even through the mid 70s into the later 70s, merchandising, concert tours, the whole thing was in its infancy, really, oh, as yeah. a real legit business. People... Bill Graham, record labels, bands started to go, wow, there's real money to be made here. We've got to start doing it right and protecting it. But there was no, you couldn't go to a, take a university course on how to do or do t-shirt yeah. productions and inventory management and how do you advance tours. It, it was literally people learning by the seat of their pants very, very quickly. Like, all right, we got screwed last night. How do we prevent ourselves from getting screwed tonight? Identical. Exactly. And you see, that's where Bill Graham came in. And Del Ferrano was running the poster room at the arena. This is how Winterland gets its name, okay? So Del's up there, and he's selling psychedelic posters and stuff, all the, the inventory. I mean, back then, believe it or not, you could go to the 1333 store he had on Columbus, and you could buy any of these Fillmore posters for two bucks a piece all the way through the seventies, right up to when I was there in 78 and 79, you know, he, they weren't that big a deal back then, but they were selling them at the, at the Winterland arena and Del Ferrano got the idea. And he said, Hey, you know, I bet you he sees people wearing grateful dead shirts. He goes, I bet you I could sell some grateful dead shirts. So he goes to bill and bill says, well, I'll talk to the band. So he goes around to the grateful dead and Jefferson starship and doobie brothers and stuff. And, and basically a lot of it's just a handshake. They're looking at it going, Oh, that's good advertising. Maybe we'll sell more. Records. Yeah. Yeah. They, the band, the bands weren't doing this already. No, so they didn't. They didn't think they were going to lose anything. And they're like, all right, who, who cares? Yeah. You mean we're going to make a few bucks from this? Fine, Great. go whatever, go do whatever you need to do. We don't care. Well, it's funny because uh, a coin was getting, this is where, and we're going to get to the uh, the whole relationship between Dell and, and Bill Coin and, and how things progress with KISS. But uh, in the beginning, you they needed this thing to start being built. And Winterland starts building it. Uh, they basically, Winterland was in the basement of the Winterland Arena. And that's how they got the name Winterland Productions. And then when they moved out, by the time I got there, they were at 890 Tennessee Street. And, uh, you know, people would always confuse us with the arena, but that was okay. But when I got there, here's, a, I got some show and tell here. So this Great. was, a, I, I collect old ads and stuff. And here's an ad for Winterland t-shirts from Billboard Magazine. And right there is very cool. Warrior. There it is. So this is like 77. Okay. I don't get there until May of 78. And basically what happens is I go in there and they've got one five color machine and one four color hand press and nothing is working. Nobody knows how to make this thing work. And I come walking and I'm telling you guys, it's like in 1978, I'm full of myself. It's, and uh, 23 years old, you know, the greatest artist in the world, I'm going to take over the world. And I come walking into this place and I'm watching, you know, people just, uh, they just don't know what's happening. And this goes back to my dad's training and what I went through when I worked with all these people in these factories, you know, it's, it's just uh, Northeast 
industrial is what yeah. I call it. It's yeah. like there's a certain ethic and work ethic you have Midwest and you too. get things done. And mm -hmm. I walked in and said, hmm, okay. So I started as a floor sweeper, like anybody, 310 an hour. And uh, so as I'm more, as I'm working on it, I work myself up to a counter and then I work myself up to the hand press. And then I work myself up to the, the automatic and I start dealing with the principles. And uh, the principles there were uh, uh, Del Ferrano, of course. Bill Graham was like still in charge. Of, you know, he was in charge, but this was one of his satellite companies. Mm -hmm. And basically, he had a lot of faith and trust in Dell and his brother uh, Dave. And then, as they started building, uh, there was uh, two other names I've got to mention, and that's uh, Rick Fish. Yep. And he was like the A&R guy. He's the guy that's signing Bruce Springsteen and Fleetwood Mac and all these things. You know, I mean, he's like an integral part to it. And uh, and then they get uh, the chief financial officer, Don Hunton. And mm -hmm. Donald Hunt was just a genius at accounting. And how do you yep. account all this? And how do you make it so it works? And how do you pay bands and pay everybody and get everything done and make a profit? And how is this thing going to work? So they've got it all together, except they got a factory that's dysfunctional and it can't work. And I walk in, <laughs> I come walking in and I see it. I can see it. I can say, I, I know how this is supposed to work. I know how this is going to happen. I can and fix this. So, yeah. And it just so happens rock and roll baby i'm working for bill graham yeah. the guy whose posters i was selling out of my locker in junior high school i mean it was just it's like the stars aligned i couldn't believe it and so i go in there and we slowly start building it and pretty soon within about a year a year and a half we're getting up some pretty decent numbers now we've added a second machine i loved hot rods and i loved cars when i was a kid Don Hunt buys another machine from a fire sale. It comes in parts and it's like, how soon can you have it running? Well, it was really good. I, un I understood and knew my way around the toolbox because I had to copy the one machine and rebuild it over here. And I did it. I, I, could, I could do this. I could make this thing happen and make it work. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of ups and downs with it, but it just started happening. And uh, at the same time as we started growing, and this is, I'm going to really keep it to the, the KISS motive here. Uh, a coin is still handling KISS. Basically, we're doing some retail and we're doing some, you know, some of the album stuff, you know, the, when you send away from the little stuff, mail order and things. We're not really doing any of their tours. Uh, I don't know. How were you in relation, was this while Boutwell was happening? You know, because Kiss had their their own warehouse, yes. Boutwell merchandising yes. during the sun. Yes. So were were you working with Boutwell? Were you separate from them? Were you doing different than Boutwell was doing? Do you know? You know I'll I'll be really honest with you here. I was the goofy artist on the floor, and a lot of the money deals or how deals were done or how we got rights or how we did all that. That was those guys. You didn't upstairs. know. You were just I doing it. Know. Yeah. Sure. Okay. All I know is I'm getting destroyer art and I got to put it on a shirt. Okay. And I remember it was like, uh, we were doing just odds and ends. Most our biggest things were basically the Grateful Dead, the Doobie Brothers, our standard stuff, Fleetwood Mac, we had signed, we had signed Tom Petty in 1978. He was still opening up for the Ramones and Kiss for crying out yeah. loud. 
and we, but we signed Tom Petty. And uh, as you know, Michael, I did Tom Petty right up to his last tour, you know, from the beginning to the end. Boom. You know, that's it was the family, I guess, that we had built in the 70s that just stuck. And, uh, with- and, and you know, I, I find it fun to hear you go. We signed them because I, I, I look at that as when when I started working with you, it was the birth of the Internet era. So we were signing bands for Internet rights. Yes. At the merchandising exactly. company. Exactly. And I imagine back when you were signing bands to Winterland, in both cases, the bands were like, what rights do you want to sign? Yes. Okay, okay f- <laughs> fine. Go ahead. We don't know. We've never yeah. sold those rights before. You mean you're going to take them and make money and send us money? Fine. Go for it. I mean, the internet was the same thing. We were dealing with artists who were like, wait, you want our internet rights to build a website and sell our merchandise online? Yeah. Fine. Crazy. I mean, we we're not worried about that. Great. Go ahead and do that. It was, again, brand new business, wild, wild west. So artists, you know, you sit here and think back, well, Tom Petty and Kiss and Fleetwood, yeah. they, they were like, yeah, okay, whatever, don't bother us. We're too yes. busy selling we're, millions of records. Millions of records, yes. That's yeah. all. Go, go sell a few trinkets out there for us. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and so it was really was the wild, wild west. And once things were signed, then it came over to me. So I'm going to talk a lot about uh, Dell and everybody upstairs. But to me, I just counted on them to do their job. And then they counted yeah. on do my job. So I don't know a lot of the, the financial details, how it all worked out. But I do know that the great thing about working for a guy like Del Ferrano was he was like Bill. They respected and loved the artist so much, not just the artist on stage, but the artist that could produce stuff for them. And they had such a deep respect for the artist that you know, it's like you get a guy like, well, when we finally signed Kiss, let me get to right back to Kiss here. So Kiss, we're doing some shirts. And I remember doing a, a tank shirt, which must have been, didn't they have the tank stage during? Uh, the, the, the tank Creatures? stage was the Creatures of the Night tour yeah. in 82, yeah, 82 so into we 83. Were, we weren't doing that tour yet. We were just doing the... We did a tank shirt though. That's it's in my mind. Well, they, now, 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 keep in mind they did the tank design for the Lick It Up tour, the first tour they took the makeup off of. Okay, that's what I'm getting to. So here is a thrilling, thrilling kiss moment. I'm at Winterland, and uh, they call me upstairs, and they have an album slick. God, I wish I still had it. And it's the cover of Lick It Up. And it's the first time I've ever seen these guys out of makeup. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And they said, look, it's under wraps. That Nobody sees this until the release date of the album, but we've got to make a T-shirt of it. So I wasn't allowed to tell anybody about it. I had to carefully take it downstairs. It was still wow. part of the, the secret, right? Yeah. And so we do this. And now this is a full, full circle story here. I'm at the, the Psychedelic Poster Show in uh, San Francisco here last October. And this kid walks up, his name's John Barreto, nice young kid, and he collects Winterland stuff. And he goes, you know, I bought this box of this Winterland stuff at some wholesaler or something, and it had all these like 
cloth prints in it. And I said, oh yeah, let me see. What does he show up with? But my original test print of Lick It Up t-shirt. So so hold, hold on, hold that up, hold that yes. up again. And let me just frame this so people watching, tree. this, you're looking at people, what is probably the very first yes. print of Kiss out of makeup for merchandise. Absolutely. This is the test print, the very first one. Now, you collectors out there, heads are exploding. Can you imagine <laughs> the value of this piece right here? You know, sorry, not for sale at any price. <laughs> Tommy, uh, you're, you're muted. Yeah. Ooh, I am. Have you ever have you ever noticed how long Jean's hand is? Take a look at that. Like they did some photoshopping. I never noticed it till someone pointed it out. Yeah, we've had like, Jean, Jean, Jean. Right there. Oh, right yeah. there. Look, look at the angle of his hand going under the other arm. Oh God, you're right. I never it's, noticed it's, that until someone it's pointed it's it photo, out. It's Photoshop, or not photo? It's not Photoshop, but it's it's you photo know, retouch. Yes, it's you know, it's Exacto knives and yes, and Exacto knives and yes, yes, airbrushing, yep. airbrushing. Yep. Yep. Yes. Wow! But you know, we were really proud. This was, and I'm looking at it today, going, "This is a dynamite print." I mean, we were yeah. really good, you know, because really, what happened at Winterland, and it was amazing, is myself and like the whole art department all came, we were all going to comic conventions and all wanted to be comic book artists, okay? And there, it was already tied up. I mean, you already had your Storenkos and you had your Richard Corbins and all these people. And you just couldn't, Marvel, you couldn't break. Actually, Colin Birdseye, one of our designers came from Marvel UK and he was doing coloring over there for him. So we had this whole talented art department and our whole thing was, we loved comics and we would study comics. And the reason we could print this stuff different and better than anybody else at that time, everybody caught up real quick, but it's because we would look at comic books in a loop and you realize that you put a little blue in their hair and it looks a little blacker and you, know, you learn sure. from comic books. And so we were taking, basically, this is like just comic book art. Basically, yeah, yeah. And yeah. making it work. And yeah. Man, it was just so cool because we were part of the thing. And this is when Dell and Kiss really cement their relationship is right. A coin's gone. Uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly how he wrangles this, but we become the Kiss printers. And now. So, so real, real quick, before they come in and sign with you, had you ever met kiss through winterland you know had any of the artists come into winterland or did they no. not care not to not to that point no they come in later and i have plenty of really amazing yes, stories yes. but back 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 then they did again they didn't care it was just like no. yeah go off and make us a few bucks whatever we don't we don't need to come in and review stuff like yeah. it is now where you you sit down and literally put together an all-day presentation to the artist. No, actually, and the great thing about that time was we were collaborators. We collaborated with people. People came to us for what we could offer them. So you had no photo approvals. You had nobody on press to approve. You had a show to make and you had to do it and you had to do it right. Because if 
it wasn't right, you were going to hear about it. You were going to hear about it. It, it. it would be like um, uh, Sweetwater and Almost Famous when they get their yeah. box of T-shirts backstage yeah. and only the, the lead singer is nice and clear and the rest of the yeah. band is, yeah. is yeah. out of focus. And they're yes. like, get rid See, of this. That could not happen. That <laughs> could not happen. And, and it's interesting because all those early people that we set up with, uh, like Kiss, like, uh, you know, Madonna's another good example. We did the first Madonna tour and did all, I did her tours right up to my last day. And, uh, you know, there comes a point where it's like, just get it done. You know, I, I don't want to think about this. Just get it done. Just don't fuck up. Just don't fuck <laughs> just Don't make me look bad. Don't yeah, make, don't me, make look me look bad. So it's a, it was a collaboration. And I think that's what, what people really have to understand. Dell was so into it he was so good at this that he got in there with kiss he got in there with ozzy same thing nobody would sign ozzy he's biting the heads off of birds and he's trying to come up with a solo tour he's been thrown out of black sabbath we were doing black sabbath but dell didn't stop there so he sets up with ozzy when no one else would sign him and all of a sudden he the 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 way we had our business set up and again i don't always understand it you can read Kiss and Tell and a few of the other books to find out. But basically, Dell was helping to finance these guys getting on the road and doing their merch and everybody's making money and everybody's happy. Yeah, you know, and, and, and what you mean by that is once once tour merchandising became a legit business, yes. basically in the 80s, you know, the bigger the artist, the more they could come in and go, okay, you want to sign me? I want an advance on yes. my merchandise sales yes. for this next tour. Yeah. And then Dell sits down and goes, okay, I'm willing to advance. And I'm just making numbers up here. This isn't yeah. to any, I'll give you guys half a million dollars now for your tour merchandising rights for the tour that starts in six to eight months. Yeah. And, and that is, I mean, we know that for as kiss fans, Kiss toured year after year during the eighties because they were getting, they were getting advances for merchandising. Yeah. They were getting advances for new albums to yes. record. That was money that kept them afloat. They weren't the only band living that way. No, no. You know, there's so many bands like that. And, and again, this came to the whole collaboration, and everything, because man, we did some great stuff. Uh, I won an award on the, uh, uh, was it, was it Animalize? Is that, no, no, not animalized. It was Crazy Night. So one with the broken glass. Yeah, the broken I, mirror cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a shirt for that. And uh, we had done it like a clear coat over the glass or something to make it look like, you know, it was, it was just one of our goofy things. And God, I won a, a, a Golden Squeegee Award on that one in, in the Golden screen. Golden Squeegee. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it's a screen print award for, for sure. Know, it's a, it's kind of like your your Tony or Grammy. Or yeah, it, no, I I get it. It's this funny name, Golden yes. Squeegee. But uh, but it was like you know we were just doing some amazing work for them. The Asylum tour was awesome. We, we had just hired this tattoo artist, and he came in and did this great scream and skull Asylum kiss shirt. I wish I still had some of this stuff, but you know I was a, a good uncle, and my nieces and nephews kind of wiped me out in the nineties. They were the best dressed kids in school. <laughs> they, were just, they had it made. But you know that's what it's for. You know I'm not going to cool uncle. The cool uncle. Yeah, I'm not going to lock this stuff up. If you want it and you're going to wear it, it's all yours. Yep. But man, we did some great tours with them. And those shows, you know, it, uh, I don't know if they still get short shrift 
or shift, but it's, they were really awesome. They were really awesome to see back then. Uh, you know, they were just really hitting a good stride. And it, Dell's sitting there and he sticks with them. He sticks with them all the way. And uh, it wasn't until I got back I, I started back, it's a long story. I worked with Dell and then I moved and worked with Don for a while. And then I came back and worked with Dell and then Don came back in and worked together. So we always worked together somehow, but there came a time for about two years in the nineties where I was working with Don Hunt for a while. And then I came back to work with Dell at Sony Signatures in time for the Kiss Convention. What, 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 what was the company Don was at at that point in time? Gold Wing Screen Print. So it was okay. a screen print. It was interesting because Dell got to the point where I made him the top screen printer in the world. He didn't want to be a screen printer. He was like Bill Graham. I, yeah. I, I want to be in music. I, I, I don't need this. I don't not need he, this. He, he, he doesn't want to be just a t-shirt and tour book guy. Yeah. He, he wants to be the full. And I yep. don't deny that. And actually I went with Don Hunt who we were still working the screen printing, but by this time, it's like, it's just not the same. And it was good. We worked and we worked hard. We were working for Haynes, but you know, all kinds of things happened from NAFTA to this and that, that just destroyed Haynes. But anyway, I got an opportunity to come back and work with Dell uh, at Sony Signatures. Everybody left Winterland. So all the principals were gone. And so now everybody started building new companies. And I, I came back and started working with Dell again. And that was right when the KISS convention started up. And, uh, you know, the KISS convention is where I met Frankie Minos. You know Frankie, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. He's been uh, on this show. Oh, he's awesome. Yep. I mean, yep. it, it was like he, they, they brought him in and he, we've been, I've, he's been my buddy ever since, you know, because he just had all this great stuff and, we're, and the convention's happening. And then for all Dell's patience and going through all those years with non-makeup and this and that and blah, 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 but still doing good. I mean, they're doing good. Yeah, there's, there's business still being made. So this is where the loyalty and everything else comes in. This is where people remember you when you, you do a really good job for people. Because I'll never forget the day uh, we had a, a guy working for us, Joey Bon Jovi. Yep. And Joey Bon Jovi comes down and comes into my office and he goes, Fashion your seatbelts. The makeup's going back on. And I swear, guys, I turned around and looked out my window there. You know what that building was like. Yep. There. And I'm looking out my window, and I could just see storm clouds building on the horizon. I'm going, holy mackerel. This is what we've been doing this for all along. And you know, Frank, this this is you, – you are really unique, and it's very interesting. You were there – the moment you saw the makeup come off before anybody yes. else did, and yes. you were there to see the makeup go back on before anybody else <laughs> knew it was happening. Yes. Sworn to secrecy both times. Yes, yes. And it was just so, and that's when we started building this thing. And I'm just going to say right here, top shows of all time. I don't like to number them like in order, but I always put like my top five, my top 10. Kiss at Tiger Stadium. You just can't. Did any of you guys go to Kiss at Tiger Stadium? I, 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 I didn't. I didn't. Mark, our other co-host, was there. Yeah, he's he's was from there. Detroit. It was like jaw-dropping. And I still, by the way, here's my. <laughs> I do have this. I got my Tiger Stadium. I was yep. there. <laughs> yep. Live worldwide. Nice. 
Some things I keep. I had a large that fit me better, but my nephew took it. So now I got the extra large. That's the way it goes. I'm getting fatter anyway. That's real. <laughs> yeah. But the, to, to experience Tiger Stadium and the power and the beauty and the greatness. I'll never forget. I, I used to have these reviews in the newspaper. And God, this guy wrote this review that, you know, and then Ace comes out and lays down a lead like a dollop of dollop of bad mayo on stale toast is what he called it and i'm like this guy's got to write for rolling stoners but it yeah. was like so ridiculous because obviously he wasn't there to get it you know i mean that place was seething that we had all our event shirts were sold out like the day before the show we were selling outside and we tried to hold some back but it was like everything was going clean everybody's buying everything and tiger stadium god bless that place it was just so i mean i thought the place was going to collapse that band comes out and just it just destroys it it just destroys it they were so loud they i, I wanted to talk to somebody else because i'm standing there and all of a sudden i'm getting hit these bugs that come off the lake were just being knocked out by the sound and falling on you these wow falling out of the air and 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 the crowd was just it was just incredible it was incredible and That's you know funny. it's like i think ace might have hit a couple sour notes but it didn't bother me no no who cares <laughs> i always i always took that 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 review as a as a badge of honor you know because mm -hmm. you obviously don't get this you don't know what you're seeing here most and critics was, don't yeah it was just it was just phenomenal and i went on to see like four more shows on that tour on that whole thing went and saw him in greensboro saw him in las vegas saw him in sacramento and san jose oh it was just not to be missed not yeah. to be missed the san jose was a really good and show. and and you know back to your your merchandise that it, it literally exploded i mean it made it made the company it was the biggest tour of the year. Oh yeah! I mean, it, no, we, it, and 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 it and it became bigger to 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 Dell's desire. It became more than just T-shirts, tour books, and hats. Yes, you walked into Spencer's, and you could walk into it. There was Kiss merchandise everywhere, everywhere, and every night these guys and these guys were showing the world how to do it. They're doing like five, six shows a week, okay, and they're clearing at least a quarter million dollars a night in merchandise, sometimes up to 350,000, sometimes more. And you start adding this up and these guys are making like a million and a half, $2 million just on the road a week in merchandise. In merchandise. Yeah. And that was the payoff, you know, for all, all the time you go through there and everybody's wondering why the heck are you signing these guys? Well, I'll tell you why, because we like them and they're good people. And, you know, I do just want to say one thing here that's very important to me. Gene Simmons is like, I, I can't tell you how much respect I have for that guy. As a businessman, as a guy to deal with, he's upfront, he's honest. You don't like to get those phone calls from him when he's displeased. I'll tell you that. Yep. But I never lose my respect for that guy because he is just so there. He's in the moment. He's always in the moment. And I'll say the same thing about Paul Stanley. That guy, but Paul is sweet. Paul is just a sweet, sweet guy. Uh, Gene can tend to be a little, not a little quite rough. sweet. Yeah. But, uh, but the, working with those two guys has always been just a pleasure. 
and, 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 I, and I've said this on the show many a times. When you say working with those guys, that's actually what you were doing. You were working directly with Gene and Paul. Oh, yes. Of, of yes. all the artists I've worked with, I don't know of a bigger artist where you actually day to day would communicate directly with the artist. Oh, yeah. So many artists, it was to the manager, the manager to the artist, to the assistant, the assistant to the artist, the, the artist back to the... In Gene and Paul's case, and you know this, you could be sitting in your office and a fax comes in from Gene Simmons. Yes, you could get You could get the phone call right from Gene Simmons. You can get the message from Paul Stanley. Yes, Doc McGee's the manager, and you still might hear from Doc. Yeah. Gene and Paul are actively involved in the day-to-day business. Yes. Not just the business, but the... Send me over the art mock-up. I want to review the art mock-up. Yes. And, and, and it might not just be, yes, it's approved. It could come back with, well, how about a little different shade on this? And can, you know, real constructive criticism, not just the socks, but, yes. you know, they are deeply involved in everything, especially Paul, because Paul is more of an artist. Yes. Artist, yes. artist than Gene is. Gene's the business guy who wants to know, what was the average per head last night and what yes. shirt's selling better than the other shirt? Paul's the one going, you know, what can we do to the logo here? And what can we do to, to the makeup face on me and on Gene? And can we make the flames bigger? And yes, he, he's yeah. the artist. Yes. He's the yes. artist. But, but yes, the, I always admired that about those guys. Yeah. Well, and uh, the thing that's really, you remind me that uh, I remember when we were first kicking off, I was going into Psycho Circus that I had to go into the city I was with Pete Weber, you know, Pete yep. and uh, he was handling the tours and he handles all, you know, we, we collaborate really well together as well. And I had to go in to his house with my exacto knife and a bunch of printouts and literally cut stuff up, paste it up, fax it to Gene. He come back. Nope. Okay. And start cutting it up again. This is how we did it with a fax yep. machine, an exacto knife and, you know, a couple of pencils and just yep. drawing this stuff out to kind of figure it out. And then once you get it, then you can go back to the factory and start really putting it together. But yeah, Gene, I, I, I went down to his house and the, here's this is something I think all your listeners are going to find interesting, because while Ace was still in the band, Tommy Thayer was working with Gene, and yep. I would go down to Gene's house, and then you go down into his archive room. You know, he's got this outbuilding with all his stuff, and I would, and so I would go in there and say hi to Gene and stuff, and we'd be talking. I'd be there with Bucky or one of the other guys. And uh, they'd stop and do the business and I'd get sent down, hang out with Tommy and Tommy there, another, just a, a charming guy. Love mm -hmm. that guy. And we would sit there and go through photos and see what we wanted to do. And then he'd work on getting rights. And, and, you know, we talked a lot. And uh, I think that the best part of this whole story about Tommy is right before the pandemic, it was Frankie Minoza's birthday and it was March 6th and we all had, we were all going to go see Kiss because they're playing here in Oakland. Oh yeah. Over in Oakland for the end of the road tour. Yes. Yep. Yes. So we go over there and of course we're backstage and I, and really I was, we had, they had closed the San Francisco office. I was no longer going to be working on any of this stuff. And I wanted to say goodbye to a lot of my friends and I was hoping that I could get in to see Gene and Paul, but 
with COVID going, they were in lockdown. They yep. were in lockdown. Nobody could see them. You couldn't yep. even stand there as they walked to the stage. You had right. to vacate. And I don't blame them. You know, they're old like me. But uh, I saw Tommy. And I'm just standing there. And I look at Tommy. And Tommy looks at me. And he comes right over and goes, Frankie, so good to see you. What are you doing here? And I went, that's why you work with these guys. You know, that's yeah. why you work yep. with these guys. Yeah. I didn't have to remind him who I was. He recognized me. And, and that really meant the world to me. Because at that time, you know, they closed down the San Francisco office, basically. And I'm now retired and <laughs> not doing it anymore. Wish I was because they're still out there. And God bless them. Keep going. Oh, yeah. Keep going. And uh, but still, it was really we I wasn't even working with them at that point. They had long story, but Dell went on to do epic rights, left live nation. And yep. of course, took Kiss and Ozzy with them because yep. of their relationship. And then Epic Rights got bought by Bravado. Yes. And uh, but Dell hung on to Kiss right to the end. Oh, the well, yeah, days. you know, Dell, you know, Dell had uh, a long personal relationship with Gene, Paul, and Doc. Yeah, that goes way, 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 way back. I mean, it was just, yeah. you know, it was one of those things where, you know, Gene and Doc know they could call Dell up and get what they need, and Dell could call them, and yeah, you know, it was more than just business. It seemed well, like to me. I think that's kind of leads me right into why I'm not really in the industry anymore because I, that just, I, I don't find that exists anymore. You know, when they no. closed down the San Francisco office, it was pretty much it. You know, it's like, you can move to LA. They said, Oh yeah, sure. Everybody that moved to LA lost their job a year later into the pandemic. You know? Yep. Right. What? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, but again, it's just that personal thing. You know, the thing I always liked, and it's the same thing with Dell, be the same thing with Gene or whatever, Bill Graham, these guys could get really mad at you. But once they let the steam off, the next thing was get the job done, get the job done. I don't want to don't do it again. They didn't even have to say never do this again. Okay, get back to work. Now we got to do this. And so it was always it it was truly like a family. And that's no, it, I was just going to say, it, it, you know, I was only there from 98 to 2005, but yeah, it was a family. I mean, you know, we joke when we started the show, but, you know, I'd come into the office in the morning and I'd walk, walk into your office and we'd sit down and we'd chat for 15, 20 minutes yeah. of what's going on with the KISS tour and, oh, Mike, what do you think of this? mock-up and this design and yeah you know it was yeah. it was just hanging out having it was a bunch of like-minded people yes who loved music loved rock yes. and roll loved merchandising and we just all hung out together and made a living doing it yes and you know that's why you know if anybody has negative comments to say about any of my musical choices i just go you know kiss journey these people bought my house okay yeah for me you know they kept me employed and took care of me and 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 allowed me to do what i did the best and uh you know fine you don't like them i don't care <laughs> you know i'm playing i got another i got the double platinum dollar 99 set for oh yeah yep tapes. yep <laughs> love it <laughs> yep opened and played mind you i mean for two bucks but again, these are all from the day, you know, and, and not to think that these went into the bargain bin because they were, uh, 
they weren't selling. They just overproduced everything on Kiss, especially yeah. at that time. You know, yeah. you could get all four of the solo albums for nothing, you know, because they had so many of them out there. Now, of course, they're very collectible. So you have to be smart and buy when it's low. Well, so, 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 Frank, what are your, what's your thoughts on Kiss continuing with Eric and Tommy in the original makeup? You've been there since pre, I mean, you've been there from day one with Kiss. You've worked with them. You've seen it all. What's your what's your what's what's your business opinion and what's your fan opinion if they're different? You know, I will say this. I thought Eric Carr's makeup was really cool because he was not the cat. He he was the fox that fox ate the cat. You know, it made sense to me. I didn't really get Vinnie Vincent's little Egyptian thing. It didn't it didn't fit in with me for me. And I remember when that makeup was happening, it, it just, I don't know. The, I, I was not really into it. I wasn't into that. I thought the best decision they made was to get out of the makeup. Now, fast forward to uh, Tommy and Eric. These are the characters. I think that they, that Gene owns them outright on a business sense and even on a fan sense. I want to see the spaceman. I want to see the Catman. That's that's what I want to see. And I think that they do an incredibly good job at doing it. So I'm I'm all in. I'm all in on on the last time I saw them. And this will bring me right back to how long they should continue the end of the road until you reach the end of the road because they delivered. They delivered like I couldn't believe. You know, you look at these guys and they're old like me i can't get up there and do that. yeah no no i i remember when i left i left the oakland show i went i went to the oakland show with steve sank yeah so he and i he and i went so it was a whole bunch of the old crew yeah out there watching kiss and i left that show with the biggest smile on my face going if this is the last time i see kiss live yeah. this is how i wanted it to be yes. because it was full of great memories, great songs. You know, I'm sure you were like me. It's like, you know, when you saw Sammy the Serpent on stage, it gave yeah. you a little bit of a chill. Oh, yeah. You know, when 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 Eric was playing Beth on the piano and the other guys came out and stood around him, yeah. that gave me the Paul Lind Halloween special goosebumps because that's what happened on that show. It It was just like, it felt like a great, way for kiss to say thank you to their fans yes i agree a hundred percent and you know there were to even get even further on the tommy and and uh, eric thing i remember the last show i saw with the original band was in concord and that's when uh uh when peter had the little teardrop going yep. but peter at that time i mean he 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 would start to slow down in songs and stuff, which was kind of annoying me. You know, you could tell it was annoying the band. He he was having a hard time keeping up. He just didn't have the stamina. It didn't seem. And Ace, God bless him. That night was one of the, my favorite nights of seeing Ace. But Ace, he could be off and he could be on. You know, he, you couldn't really. Uh, you know, sometimes when he would do his solo, he'd just be doing scales. Yeah, like, they're, 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 they, and I mean all four of them, because yeah. I was, I was still working with them at that time. And I went out to a lot of shows on that farewell tour. Yeah. Um, their hearts were not in it. 
no. none of theirs. Gene's heart, Paul, Ace, Peter, their hearts were not in it. And and I remember I was at the the very last show all four did um, in was it Charlotte? Um, and and I was there because management gave me the heads up you know yeah. we we kind of think this is this is this it, is, this, this is wow. it. we we don't wow. we we don't know when in this last week of u.s shows but we're pretty sure it's going to end so i was there and you know that's where peter destroyed his drum kit yeah at, on stage and you know he was like fuck everybody i'm out of here yeah but the big the biggest thing that i took away from that was when the show was over, I'm backstage, and the guys come out of the dressing room. Yeah. And Gene and Paul come out of the dressing room, and they go one way. Ace and Peter come out. They go the other way. And that was it. Yeah. That was it. There was no, and I'm not saying this might not have happened in the dressing room, but there was no hugs. There was no, Yeah. it, it was just like, it felt like they were just all going, God, I'm glad this is done. Yeah. I'm glad this was done and I'm leaving. And that yeah. was it. And, you know, as a fan seeing that you're kind of like, wow, my, my, my superheroes, the justice league of America yeah. <laughs> walked out and, you know, Superman and Batman went this way. And Aquaman and Wonder Woman went this way, yeah. never to look back at each other, not even a wave. Well, and well, I think, you know, for me, oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, you don't want to see that. That's yeah, the thing. I, I don't. No. And, and I think that's why Eric had been in there for a while. He was in there earlier in the 90s. I think Eric is just a, a really great energetic. He's got the energy. I, I, I can't say enough about Tommy Thayer either, because these guys are journeymen. They studied, they did well, they play their part. Tommy's well. let's let's be honest. Tommy is a longtime Kiss fan, as fanatic as any of us are. He yes. grew up as a Kiss fan. He grew up idolizing Ace Fraley. Yes, and we've said this before. If there, if you could pick anybody who would be the best person to be in Kiss, wouldn't it be somebody who's a fan who knows yes. what fans like? Because yes. Yeah, Gene and Paul are great, but they've never been on our side of the fence. Yes, exactly. Tom, Tommy's been on our side of the fence. Tommy knows what fans crave because Tommy's yeah. a fan. Yes, and I and and they deliver. And so it's like, what do you do? You know, and and the fact that they keep the show on the road, the fact that people are still buying tickets, the pack, and they're they're not buying tickets because these guys aren't delivering. They're delivering. So if they can deliver, my only problem I have is when acts get so old that you wonder why the heck you're there, and you don't get that with with them, and they're still doing it. And by the way, at the end of that uh, March sixth show, which was the last show going into the pandemic. I was out by the, the merch stands and I'm still, I was always in touch with Dell. So I got my phone out and I texted him and I took some pictures and said, Dell product line looks pretty cool. And he goes, well, what do you want? <laughs> Dell, perfect. I said, well, I'm just telling you, it looks cool. Well, let me know what you want and I'll send it to you. And I said, okay. So I said that, ah, you know, the adventure, something like that. 
two weeks later, I get a box and it's one of everything that was there. I got the leather coat. I got this. <laughs> Dell, you know, God, I love that guy. I miss him so much. Uh, yeah. You know, just because he was still right. We always had such a great relationship. Even when we weren't working together, we had a great relationship. I think that we, you know, not that, you know, we weren't best friends, but we had a really good, the working relationship, the Northeast industrial, I call it. Yeah. You know, it's like, as, as somebody to work with, you just couldn't have a better relative. And that's lost, unfortunately, lots of times now. And you don't see that as, as much as that, you know, that, that mutual respect of people that you work with that do their job and show up that you can depend on. There's, no, there's something that is so special about that. And I, I wonder if it's just our generation, because now it's like, well, I, I, just, I, I just look at where all these big companies are now. And well, I can't say anything other than- Yeah, but it's, not, it's like sports franchises. Yeah, no different. Yeah. It's the same thing. Players there one year and gone the next. When we were kids, man, you know, uh, Tony Oliva played for the Twins almost, I think, for his entire career. Yeah, it's yes. not the same thing anymore. And I think that that office and work have has changed as well. I mean, I've noticed that just since the pandemic, we have 150 agents in my real estate office, and I can count on two hands the people I see every day on a regular basis. Yeah. And it's literally about 10, maybe a few more, and that's it out of 150. So you don't get to make those relationships anymore. Yeah, and when we were working there, like Michael was saying earlier, you know, it was like we get together, we'd talk about it. We'd see what was coming up. I remember you were trying to, we were finding stuff to auction on your site. And, and I had a yep. big book, all the, every comp of every shirt that was ever done. You could have yeah. history. That was a well, one of a kind. You know, it, it, it was like, even like, well, t-shirt mock-ups, one of a kind t-shirt that didn't go into production. All right, yes. let's save it. Or, you know, mock-up, cardboard mock-ups of product packaging yes. that literally looked so stupid, but all right, save it. Or, uh, yeah, I mean, and and I think what was important is, and, and I think Gene got this. We were fans. Yes. There were, not just you and me, there were KISS fans in the company. So KISS fans know what KISS fans want. Yes. And yep. it's not it's That's not so just true. it's not just a great talented artist who's told to draw this, but doesn't get what they're drawing, doesn't feel it. You, know, you could a... you 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 could draw something and you could sit here and go, oh, I gotta put that little detail in here because that's so important to KISS and the KISS fans. Yes. Where another artist might go, I don't even know it exists. You know, sure. what's the proper way the KISS logo should look? What's what's the proper colors that should be used? What's, you know, what's the right, what's the right makeup to go with the costume that you're creating for this shirt? Oh, that yes. that 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 jean makeup was from 1974. You would have never worn that in 1978. Exactly. You know, yeah. we we knew that stuff. We could put a stop to it. Well, and I think that that's such a good point because I want to explain my, I, I really feel my success in this industry was based on the fact that I was like a, a fan. I was, a, and I made sure anybody we signed, the whole point is when that kid goes into that show, 
you want to knock their eyes out. You want, and I don't care who it is. This, yep. When I did the first Madonna tour, it was amazing because she's like a virgin. It's Bill Graham Civic. The Beastie Boys are opening up. And I we we did that first album cover and and we just we I would do things with the fan in mind. And basically her first album cover, she has a little bodice on, and I did it in Puff Ink. And Puff Ink was brand new. I had a sample can. Try this out, Frank. See what, because anything I used, everybody else in the industry would use. So I put this little Puff Ink on. And damn, if every kid that walks in there doesn't massage her breasts as they buy that shirt. And then they buy a second one. And it just, it went from there. But it was because I knew how to touch the fan. And I yeah. do, I did it for Journey. I did it for Bruce Springsteen. I did it for Bob Dylan. I would do it for anybody because new kids on the block. They all buy this place. You can't disrespect the fans, no matter who no. it is. You can't let your musical taste get in there because somewhere somebody's finding something very special and sacred here. And if you can supply that, then you hit success. And that yep. was part of the reason why I, I, I always loved it because Dell didn't know what I did, but he was really happy I was doing it. You know, we, we, we had a, a he had a party for Tim McGraw because we wanted to sign Tim McGraw. He's not even married to Faith Hill yet. And uh, Tim McGraw's coming to a party at Dell's house in San Rafael and I'm invited. So I'm going, geez, you know, I think Tim McGraw, I bet you he's got an old muscle car there in Nashville somewhere. I bet you he's driving an old Camaro or something. And there's a really good chance he might just have an eight-track player. So I grab the CD from work, come home, go on my eight-track recorder, make an A-track, make the label, and put it all together. And I take my T-Bird. That's when I have my uh, 59 convertible T-Bird, big turquoise boat. And uh, he comes in and goes, who owns that car and how much is it? And I walked right up to him and said, well, Mr. McGraw, that's my car, but and it's not for sale, but I've got something for you. And I handed him that tape and Faith was right there. And she just grabbed it, held it to her heart and said, can I keep this? And I said, absolutely. And Dell came up to me after he goes, man, I don't know what you just did, but just keep doing it. Because right then we signed Tim McGraw. And it was yeah. because he knew that we, I was into it enough to know that what kind of car this guy would love. And sure enough, I think he yeah. had like a, a 68 Camaro or something crazy like that. That's I, the difference I, I, between good and great, Frank, right there. Yeah. It's, it's I, like, I, what do you bring into the job every day? Are well, I think, I think, all? I think that, that, whole thing about being a fan is so important and and i've always said that from the day one i started at signatures building kiss's website my attitude was because listen nobody had built artist websites before i mean it no. was it was it was the lot that we're talking 1998 that is literally the dark ages of the internet nobody <laughs> knows what's right or wrong and i just was my attitude and i told everybody in the company and the band i'm like if I like what I'm doing as a fan, then the fans will like it. Yes. If, if, if what I do, I look at and go, no, that doesn't excite me as a Kiss fan. I'm not going to do it. You know, you've yeah. got, you, you can't. And I still, to this day, will tell clients, you can't forget what it's like to be a fan. You can yeah. never. And, 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 you know, I've had these conversations with artists and in the, in the industry, I've always said an artist can't be a fan of themselves 
they can always love their band. They can love their music. Yes. They can love their career, but they will never be a fan like we are because they're always on the other side. Yes. They always know what's happening before we do. They always know what it's going to sound like and look like. We're the ones going, oh my God, what's the new tour going to look like? What's yes. the costumes going <laughs> to We They don't understand that feeling. But right. as an as an artist, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley, you're a fan of somebody. Who are you a fan of? Paul yeah. McCartney, John Lennon, you know, I, you know, pick pick any of those bands that you you know, Jimmy Page. What does Jimmy Page do to you, Paul Stanley, that makes the fan in you go, yeah. that's fucking cool. Makes the hair on your arms stand up when Jimmy Page did something. Yeah. So you, as Paul Stanley, have to remember and do the same thing for your fans. And I think too many people in this business now, because it's really become big business, big business. are all about instant gratification, bottom line, ROI. If it doesn't work, scrap it, move on, yes. you know. Can we can we can we get by with doing something just a little bit more inferior, even though the fans might not like it, but it saves us a dollar per unit cost. Exactly. And exactly. and 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 the and the answer is you need to have somebody who steps up and goes, No, I want to spend that little extra dollar because the fans are gonna fucking love it. And yeah. here's an example. I'm working with Blackie Lawless and Wasp. Yes. All of his, he's, and he's told me this many times. You look at his tour t-shirts, it's front print, back print, shoulder print, yeah. shoulder print. Why? He goes, because nobody does that anymore. Yeah. No, no, it's always just front print, back print, maybe front print only, but nobody's putting prints here and an image over here. It costs more, Yeah, but it's cool. And the fans love it because it's different. Different. So yeah. go that little bit extra mile. Maybe you're going to lose a dollar per profit, but you're still making money. But yeah. you got all of fans going, God, we love what you're doing. Yeah. Right. That's the key to the whole thing. That's the key to the whole thing. That's the key to having somebody like Frank, who's designing your tour T-shirt for the Kiss tour. And he's a Kiss fan and he looks at it. And if it gives him a little bit of a tingle, yeah, if I'm going, as he's drawing it, <laughs> that's going to work. You yeah. should have though. You should have put the debut Kiss album on the eight track and just put Tim's album cover artwork on the top of it. So when he gets into his car and puts it in and listens to it, it's listening. It's, it's listening to Kiss. He probably would have dug it. <laughs> yeah. He probably was a Kiss fan. I mean, Garth Brooks is a Kiss fan. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, because I, I, they, him and Faith weren't even married at that point. Yeah, that was really early on. But it's just great stories like that. That, yeah. that And that's why I keep, you know, I, I've been really having a good time just going through my memories of working with people. You know, getting yelled at by Huey Lewis because the colors on the front didn't match the colors on the back when he was still playing the old Waldorf here in the city, you know, when he's playing like 800 seaters or 500 seaters and, and taking that and going, my God, Huey came in and yelled at me at the shop. That's awesome. <laughs> it, was like, it was like, how many people can say they've had a, what, so-and-so rock star yell at yes, you for something? Yes. 
And then, or, or just, you know, it's just like, but it was just because of my involvement. And the, and the, the, the important thing was too, is I wasn't in awe. I was just excited and happy to be there. And that's yeah, like, going it to was see fun. Me. You know, I don't, yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not there to kiss his ass. He's not there to kiss my ass. We're here to get work done. And it's a good relationship. And uh, yeah, so no, nobody can ever tell me anything bad about those two. In yeah. Fact, you know, one, I was going to say, I, I remember when I first started at signatures and, you know, my family and friends are like, well, how's the new job? I'm like, this is not a job. I dread when the weekend comes because I can't go into the office on the weekends. Yeah, <laughs> I have. So I'm looking forward to Monday morning because I can go back into what is absolutely the coolest, funnest job in yeah. the world. Yeah. And That's you know, awesome. there's there's pressure and there's ups and downs. There's some days oh, yeah. when I'm not really oh, happy yeah. to be there. But uh, God, one of the last meetings I went there with Gene and Paul was at the, uh, it was at one of the, the Beverly Hills, whatever hotel, I can't remember, one of those famous hotels. But uh, I had this magazine and it was uh, Elvis versus Kiss. Who is the king of rock? Mm -hmm. And Gene Simmons signed it, Frank. You are the king. Jeez. <laughs> it's one of my favorite pieces in the world. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, it's like, thank you, Gene. Wow, that was really nice. Because <laughs> there's a picture of Gene and Elvis. <laughs> yep. Right. <laughs> oh, just great, great, great. But again, working with really decent, hardworking people and uh, and what they did and, and just the documents that they've left and the career that they've left. Uh, is just amazing. And, uh, and now looking back at my own career now going through all this, and, and sorting it out, you know, because not everybody was really pleasant to work with. But Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, again, you're right. There's there there were some artists where you're just like, Oh, fuck. Yeah, my phone's ringing. I don't want to pick it. Up. I don't want to pick it up. They, you know, they're complaining about something. You know, they don't like anything you do. Even when you do it exactly as they want it, they don't like it. There was and, a few newer people that, that were really good to work with, but not many. Most young people now, they have their assistants take care of it. The assistants are deathly afraid of the artist. And yep. so they won't make any decision. And it just gets all messed up. And it's like so much easier than this. You know, out of any of the new people I worked with, most the best people that I worked with, believe it or not, Jay-Z. Jay-Z's Wow. Great. He is great. I mean, he is just, he's not that involved. He doesn't really care that much about it. But uh, the last piece I did for him was this incredible thing. It was just, I can't even explain it, but it had like 16 different prints. You had to print like eight prints in pieces, send it to the dye house, tie dye it, bring it back, sew it, and then put the final prints on it. And after he got it, I mean, we had to sell them for like $300 a piece. And after he got one, I, I've got him on the internet. He still wears it. He loves it. He's never seen anything so cool. And if he's wearing it, man, yeah. you know, you hit something there. Yeah, yep. oh, absolutely. Because then they're not just going, oh, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. You know? No, this is like. They're a, proving it really, by wearing it. Yeah, it's it's a and it's a privilege, and I like awesome. working with people like that that are just a little more open and not just out to fight with you. I won't bring up well, some people don't know any better because yeah. it's changed. And well, it's the new industry now, and now it's like everybody sees almost famous and sees that T-shirt thing, and they think you're trying to rip them off. 
And that's what I hate about that scene. Because first of all, if that's the early 70s, you don't even have a t-shirt yet, boys. You know, yeah. it's not really real. But it's like everybody sees that. And then everybody sees you coming in as a merchandise guy as an enemy. And a lot of young people believe that. And they mm -hmm. think that they're, you're going to try to fuck them up. You're going to make them look bad. And they're just not going to tolerate it. And, uh, you know, they don't know the lengths that we go to make sure everything's done right. Yeah, but here's the thing though, you're an artist that loves the art and you love the music. They're surrounded all day long by bean counters and yeah. attorneys that don't give a shit about maybe what they care about. They care about you know, making sure that everything from a legal standpoint stays right, that the money is right and all of yeah. that. So they don't know how to relate to someone like you. Yeah. That's, I really believe that's a big piece of it. They don't realize what they're missing by not talking with you. Because they're used to just yes men. Yes. And, you know, the, my whole generation of what I grew up with, because there's a lot of print shops that came up right behind me. And even during our heyday, you know, you had the Wild Oats and, and Jerry Klaus was just amazing. He was doing all the Pusshead Metallica stuff. And that yeah. stuff is just blowing everybody out of the water. And then you had the new Buffalo shirt factory and, but they were all creating stuff just like I was. We, right. you know, liquid blue is still the only guy out there still and, and new Buffalo to an extent, but liquid blue, you go to liquid blue for the liquid blue. Look, they're like heavy yep. the grateful dead stuff. And if they still have it and the, the grateful dead still go there for that look. And they, they have the leeway to be able to create for you now it's dead and company of course but they give you that and there's still artists out there that will do that but right. the majority of them it's it's a money thing you know it's, it's, it's it, it, you know it's it's become just big business yes and and you know are the people in the big business do they live the life or is it a job because they've got a skill because somebody graduated from an art academy and has great design skills, but yes. do they live rock and roll? Do they live yes. music? That's the difference. And I think as each year goes on, it becomes less and less of that because it's become such big money, especially once record sales disappeared. Yes. Merch sales become, became even more important. So now it's even more under the microscope. You know, we want to make every penny. We don't want to spend money on doing this. How yeah. quickly can we do it? Um, you know, that's the challenge, you know, I, I think. And it's not just music and merchandise. I think any job, you need to have a person who who lives and loves what they're doing. If they just look at it as like, God damn, it's a Monday through Friday, nine to five job. And I can't wait to get out of here. That's going to be reflected in the work that they do for whatever their their industry is. Yes. Now, I will say, and I'm going to give a shout out to some of the last, uh, uh, the creative department that I worked with at Live Nation. Uh, you know, the, they just, there was some young people there. And I'll be honest, I didn't really understand it. They would, uh, they would show me stuff and I would look at it and go, that's something people are going to buy? But they knew their generation and they yeah. knew their fans. And I, I, we went along with it and put it out there and it blows out. So there, there are people out there designing when you allow them to do it. And a lot yes. of it is with, you know, some of the artists, I mean, Lana Del Rey, she was really cool. And we did some really, some stuff I'm looking at going, this is going to sell. 
boy, was I proven wrong. So there's some young people there with the, that was within that department that I was really impressed with. But then again, that's for their generation. Right. It, like you have, we're post-World War II kids. Everybody now is post-COVID kids. Everything has right. changed. We have a brand new world here. And people aren't that interested in, I feel like I'm one of the old typesetters or one of the old darkroom guys. You know, none of those industries even exist anymore right. because it just, it just went away. And uh, I, I'm looking at my career and, you know, there, there's young people that are hitting it a lot better than I could because, you know, I, I'm involved in my bands. They're involved in their bands. And uh, for the new music and whatever's happening, I'd still be great with Kiss. I'd still be great with a lot of people. But, uh, you know, you got to hand the reins over to. Well, you know, but to some extent, what you're saying is, and I also think the artist has to sit here and go, okay, how, how old am I as an artist? And what's my fan demographic? Yes. So does Kiss, whose fans are our ages, yes. do they want? you know, a 20 year old designing stuff, or do you sit here and specifically go, no, I want somebody who uh, saw me in 1976. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because one of my last discussions with business discussions with Del Ferrano is he reached out to me and he said, Frank, I need, I need fresh designers. I need fresh designers. We're getting ready. We got to do some kiss shirts and I need fresh designers. And I said, okay, I'll, you know, I'll put together a list for you. And I put together a list and sent it down to him and said, check these people out. This guy's pretty traditional. You know, he'll do some photo collages for you and stuff. But this person here is really an interesting designer. And I said right in there, you might not get it, but trust me, this, this stuff could work. And he just wrote back to me and he was just not buying it. He wasn't buying anything new because he knew this is Kiss. And this yeah. is what we're selling to. And pretty much the line that I saw was, pretty dead on kiss yeah i mean you know we 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 joke about it a lot but kiss has always been listen when you design that front t-shirt i want the logo as big as you can print and i want the band image as big as you can print and lots of fire and lots of pyro there you go don't don't do anything more than that and make sure you get the s's right make sure the s's yes the s's are not some you cannot duplicate the two s's right 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 two s's are different and don't those are the little things those are the little things that you as a fan will know and understand and don't even need to be told but I, i guess what i'm saying is like artists need to think about who's what generation is your designer compared to the generation of you as a band and you as your fans? Yes. Yes. And I think you're, you're absolutely right. It's just like getting producers to produce albums and you know why they, they, you, they go with back with classics and stuff. It's a, it is it. And you know, I own it. I, I, I have no problem owning it. I have, I have no shame and I'm not, uh, embarrassed to say that I don't understand a lot of what's going on now, but I understand what I went through and I understand what I did and my career stands as that. And I'll, I'll stick with that, you know, because uh, I'm in my wheelhouse and that's why it's kind of nice sitting here at home. I'm, I'm going in and re 
going through albums and playing records over again and dusting things off and listening to it with new ears. And it just always takes me back to those moments of sitting with my buddy with the, the snow blowing in Buffalo, New York, listening to the New York Dolls and Kiss at the same time. <laughs> you know, that, that is, you yep. just can't replace that. You just nope, can't replace nope. it when it was new and fresh. You know, right. young people will never understand that. You know, you had to live through that. And as you said often on your show, you know, when you can't wait for that album to come out and you see it in the record store and you just can't wait to get it home, pop it open, put it on. And uh, it's it's that, that's that's what I we lived through. And I still live with it. Well, you know, and 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 to wrap it all up here on, on concert merchandising, as a fan, I mean, I remember this, you know, my first Kiss concert was the Creatures of the Night tour with the tank stage in 82, yes. but then, then, you know, then I was hooked and then it was like, lick it up and animalize and asylum and crazy. The big anticipation of going yes. to the concert. What's the merchandise going to look like? Yes, exactly. You know, again, because do I have enough there, with me. Yeah. How much, <laughs> money do I, how much money do I, I've got, I've got 60 bucks. What am I going to be able to get for 60 bucks? Yes. What's the tour book going to look, you know, and and that that might seem silly now, but in this day and age, you know, the tour merchandise is revealed the day of the show. It's all yeah. over the world. The internet knows exactly what's on in 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 the in the venues, how much it's costing, the front, the back. Back in the seventies and the eighties, that wasn't the case. It was like I, you know, it's going to be the the lick it up tour, but what's what are they going to have? You know, you walk in, it's like, oh my God, they've got a sweat cut off sweatshirt. Oh my God. There's a satin jacket. There's yeah. a ball cap. There's a pin. There's a tour book. There's jerseys. What color are the, you don't know any of that stuff, you know? And, and, I, and, and, and I do, and I do remember like on the lick it up tour, there was, there was a t-shirt design that, that I don't know if it was the front or the back had this like barbarian warrior woman two guitars were crossed right, nice, yeah, yeah it was like it was like that that artwork wasn't in the album that wasn't anywhere else it was yeah. brand new on the tour and you're just like wow heads were exploding the anticipation of yeah. what new imagery was there going to be oh and so this is what's interesting too is the copyright on these is kiss organization ltd not kiss catalog how about right. that and yep. so this is uh but then uh, yeah, i got one more of these things i'll share with you this is oh uh, yeah this is a back yep. print <laughs> yeah exploding world baby exploding world i don't know what the bat i can't remember what this goes on i don't know on a, a, a white shirt and a jersey this is obviously a black shirt so i can't okay, remember so that, that one you, okay so that's a homework question hold, can you hold that up again frank yes. homework for our listeners what yeah. is What's this? this from what tour, what shirt is that design from? Because this is a test print. This is a yeah. test print of that design. Where did it end up? Yes. Yeah, someone will know. There's not even a year on it, but somebody will know. And, you know, this is something that I'm trying to do as well, is I'm trying to gather this stuff up. So as I, as I wind down my career, I'm now going out and looking for stuff like this. And it's it's... Luckily in the Bay Area, it's still out there because Winterland would just have these big sales and they would just sell boxes of this right. leftover stuff. Right. And uh, so the, it tends to turn up and, and every once in a while I'm, I'm pretty lucky. And I'll well, and you, besides acquiring it, 
you should be taking photographs of all of it. Oh, yeah. I'm documenting it and putting it together. And then some of it, that that lick it up's going in a frame. I'm hanging sure. that sucker yep. up. Well, yeah, that's yep. cool. Because that was just, it was just one of those great moments. Just a great moment. <laughs> I can't yeah. tell you how cool that No, that makes sense. You know, it was just, and being ready and, and eager to move into that phase of the band. You know, yep. it's like a lot of people were really disappointed, but it was kind of like, if it's not the, I was all in because it wasn't the original band anymore. So it's a different band. This is Kiss. This is what it is now. This is Kiss Mock. This is Kiss. Yep. And and it, it's kind of like the Rolling Stones without Brian Jones or something. You know, you move on and then you have a, a cutoff point. You know, Brian Jones was pre-tongue. <laughs> Everything else was tongue and later. So you, right. you have that that point. And uh, it's it's just important. But yeah, I'm, I'm just that's why I'm finding all these old ads and stuff and and looking for things. Uh, oh, geez, Mike, I still have Torpedo Girl. Remember Torpedo Girl? <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you remember her then? That Japanese all-girl yep. band? Yeah. So I, got, I, I got to transfer the videotape. I've still got the video. Wow. Yeah. It, you know, it, it's, it, it, I've got to do this, too, because I've got, I've got in my storage locker just moving boxes filled with stuff yeah. from there. You know, say, you know, you know, Kiss fans will love this, but it was like, I don't know, every every couple of weeks, the lunchroom at, at, at Signatures yeah. would be filled with samples, yes. <laughs> samples and prototypes. And you'd go in there and you could take whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> you know, once a year, we'd have the, the friends and family blowout sale over yes. in the warehouse where it was like CDs were a dollar a piece and yeah. you, you could get tour t-shirts for two bucks and tour yeah. jackets for 10 bucks and yes. I, I i remember i bought an ozzy osborne gold album i don't know how why it was there i bought it for 35 bucks yeah you know yeah. it was a gold album for like blizzard of oz or something like yeah. that i i turned i turned around and ebayed it and i think i got 500 for it or yeah. something yeah. like that yeah. but yeah i know i mean you know there's just all sorts of of great stuff that's in storage that yeah. is just history of stuff that didn't happen, early versions of what finally happened. I, I remember, you know, T-shirt designs that you guys would make up that looked great, but never got approved and yeah. never became yeah, I mean, a T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of a kinds. Yeah, yep. it's all fun. You know, but that was just our industry and what we grew up with. And we don't, in the moment, you didn't even realize so much what all this meant you know it was just right. so much it was just well, it was just again it was fun it's like you know i i wouldn't need to buy christmas presents for friends and family i just go you know i'd bring boxes of samples home yes. of, of <laughs> artists they liked oh here you want a britney spears t-shirt oh you want tim mcgraw here you go it's just like yeah they were cleaning out a warehouse and i pulled up with my car and i filled my trunk with britney spears dolls Wow. And on the way home, I stopped off at the San Rafael Fire Department. It was Christmas time. Donated them. Hey, I got some toys for you for, for Toys for Tots. And they came out. I opened my trunk and their jaws dropped. And they invited me in. They gave me a cup of coffee and a piece of pecan pie. And that That's was one awesome. of the best days of my life. <laughs> That's like, awesome. Because I'm, I'm sitting there with firemen. I'm looking at the fire trucks. And all of a sudden, I really want to go up and sit in that fire truck. Yeah. 
but it was just, yeah, that was what it was. It was just, uh, you know, I, I saw this and it's like, what the heck? I mean, there were just uh, pallets of Britney Spears dolls, just pallets of them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was all fun. It was Frank, really Frank, Frank, this has been such a fun discussion. I mean, it really it's, has. It's, it's, it's great information for people who don't know all of this, but for me, it's even better because it's just a trip down memory lane of, Again, the years no, you and, and I worked Michael, together. You were always and, great to work with. I did. And, you know, some I keep running into you at Ace Freely shows up in Novato. You know, he's got a couple more coming up now. Yeah, I know. He's, come, I, I, he's coming I back he was, in February. Yeah, yeah wow. he's going to be back on tour again. Yeah. yeah, I'll probably I'll probably uh, head up to the 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 Petaluma show. Soon. Yeah, the, that's at the Mystic, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he was yep. really good last time. It was a good show. The band sucked. His band was really bad. I mean, I just couldn't believe that he had this other guitar player who wasn't very good who kept kind of hogging this spotlight. I think that was that was when he was still touring with Richie Scarlet in his band. Because oh, he's got okay. he, he's he's got a he, for the last couple of years he's had an all new band that are just amazing. I, actually, Gene uses the same band as yeah, that's his what I've heard. Band. Yeah, he's yeah. got a better yeah. band, so it'd be yeah. worth checking out. I just, uh, I'm just so old. I'm still freaked out about COVID. And it's just, you know what it is? It, well, I'm, I'll save this discussion for later. This is just, uh, you know, it's just it, the audience. I, 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 I don't, I don't go to a lot of concerts and it's like, well, if I have to drive more than an hour to get there, it ain't worth it. And if, yeah. and, and, well, and if I'm not, if I'm not going to get home until two in the morning, it's not worth it. You know, like I, I was care. with Tommy and I were saying back in the seventies, when you showed up, you were part of this tribe. You you knew your audience. You knew everybody yep. around you. You yep. and even though you didn't know them, we were the same because somehow we were all drawn to this same event, and that yep. was it. But now I I don't trust the audience anymore. I don't know. You know, it's like it's like is somebody packing a gun or something. I don't know. You know, it's like I know it's it's so different. And, and it was such a, again, I always go back to the tribal thing. You know, you leave a show and you're wearing a shirt and you see somebody else with a shirt and you go, yeah, I was there. Yeah. Right. Well, it, the tribe, yeah, tribal, you'd go, you know, I remember, you know, you, you go to a concert while you were in high school and the next day it was, it was an unwritten rule. You had to wear your concert shirt to oh, school yeah, the course, next day. That was the badge of honor. Yeah. Who else in cl my class went to the show last night? Yes, yes, exactly. And so, and, and so that's kind of where, and plus I've seen everybody that I wanted to see, you know, it's like, I, it, 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 it's okay. It's okay. I've, I've really seen a lot of great, great, great shows. I've been, I've been trying to list them and, and find a history and make sure I've got the, 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 the facts right. Uh, Cause I know I saw Ernest Tubb here. Ernest Tubb was my first concert I ever saw when I was like eight years old. And, uh, I, I know you guys, I, I know Tommy on the East Coast, you probably know what Verner's ginger ale is. I just remember oh, yeah, I've heard of it. Yep. A, uh, sitting on a bale of hay with a bottle of Verner's and watching the parents all dance around to this big band. And it was Ernest Tubb and his Texas Troubadours. And then I saw him again and I thought it was at the old Waldorf, but I can find no record of it. But I got an autograph from him. I got, I got my record autograph there from Ernest Tubb. Hmm. But I can't and find I know out that the venue was. Well, and <laughs> I, I know that name, Ernest Tubbs. How? What was he like? A he country was a country wrestler? guy from country. the forties. Uh, okay. One of the early 
country western heroes, Ernest Tubbs and his Texas troubadours. So he was yep. probably on some like cowboy movie or something. Yeah, and he was the like, name sounds. Yeah, he had big hits in the in the forties and the fifties, and he kept touring. He was like Bob Wills and this. Texas Playboys. There's all these country bands. He had a, uh, I think it just recently closed. He had a, a long-standing record store in, in Nashville. Nashville. I've got well, records. That's what it is. Yeah. Yes. I think it is. recently just closed, but okay. a yeah. very famous, like, yep. you know, mem country memorabilia, used records. I mean, yep. it was, yeah. yeah, right there on yeah. Main well, Street he was, in Nashville. Music, he was part of that whole thing of, you know, you, you got country and you got rhythm and blues and you got jazz and somehow it all gets mixed up. And then in the mid fifties, it turns into this thing called rock and roll, which is such an American invention. It's just oh, yeah. such a great thing. And it's just a little bit of everything, you know, it's like, it just works. And so yep. he was part of like the big country thing that was coming in and, uh, that was really popular back then yeah well, look him up he's great walking the floor over you and you know just i mean i got his albums I, I well frank frank if you want you can be my plus one to go see ace fraley up in petaluma and you and i can hang out in the back corner you know being I the old love man it. going you, you kids you don't know what you what we went through going to see concert the two guys from the muppets we'll sit in a balcony Yes. <laughs> Turn you know, that fucking music down. Yeah. <laughs> Would you, know, you kids sit down? Stop that moshing. Well, <laughs> talking and just a, I'll wrap this up with uh, one of my favorite stories, and it was a Bruce Springsteen story. Uh, we did a, a shirt for him, and it was just his. He's 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 got a guitar, and it's like a Squire, but it's not, and it's a Telecaster. It's kind of a a Frankenstein that he had bought in a pawn shop when he was a kid still plays it and we put it on a shirt we just put it on a shirt one tour it was i think the working on a dream tour and i remember Dell hated it he doesn't know he's gonna buy that you know geez and i'm going no Dell, you're wrong trust me and pete and i pete weber and i were like no 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 this is the shirt and sure enough we printed it and we couldn't keep it in stock everybody's buying this shirt because it's the first time it's the same guitar as on the the born to run thing where he's leaning on clarence and uh, so I went to see him, and it was in Greensboro. I, I used to go to North Carolina a lot to see bands. I like getting out of the Bay Area and see the, the rest of the country. And I remember that everybody was buying that shirt and it was all selling. And I always hang out at the merch booth, right? So I'm sitting there at the merch booth and I'm just waiting. And sure enough, pretty soon the guy steps up and he takes the one off the wall. And I come up and go, is that the last one? That was the one I needed. And everybody's eyes turn to me, right? And all of a sudden, everybody's scrambling to get it. And they go, I think they got more at the other booth. And the whole crowd goes running over. And I just sit there and smile at what I did. You knew what you were saying. You knew what you were doing. Oh, like God. I've seen in Clerks with the guy that sells gum, trying to talk all the kids out of smoking cigarettes. Yes. He's like from a gum company. <laughs> Awesome. Now, this has been great, guys. Frank, I mean, really this has been amazing. Here. So much fun. And you know Thank what? You. You're always welcome to come share more stories, more memories. Absolutely. You know, that that's what we love more than anything is just people sharing stories and remembering this stuff. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we kind of want to document it for historical reasons yeah. too i mean yeah. now we will now 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 we've talked to a designer who did kiss tour merchandise yeah which is awesome 
and and you just had to be there. It was yeah, you, well, yeah, you, you did. And since we're going to be putting this out next week, if you have the time, if you ever happen to run across some things that you've done, please send us some photos because we'd like to share that on our Facebook and socials. Say, hey, here's some of Frank's work. So sure. if you have any photos, please send them to Mikey because he'll add those. Yeah, and, you know, if you want to take a picture of that other that other kiss test print that you just held up, or if you've got other stuff, yeah, you know, a favorite design of yours that you you kept the shirt because you just loved it was your work. S send me a photo. We'll we'll use yeah. that stuff. Yeah, we'll anything because people love to see that stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's the, the behind the curtain stuff. You know, it's yes, exactly. it is. That's yeah, exactly nobody, it. Nobody sees the, you know, the, the, the carrot ends of the stuff that get shoved off into the, re, the, the compost. Uh, they only see the meal. And yep. uh, it's like, uh, and forever, I just, you just blow through all this to get to the final thing. No, nobody sees how back. it's made. Nobody right. sees how it's made. And to step back and look at it now, it's, 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 it's fun. It's really yep. fun. I'm really enjoying Frank, it. Frank, once again, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for two hours Wow. <laughs> two hours of I was afraid I wouldn't fill 30 minutes. God, I, I wasn't worried at all. I knew I, I knew we, you know, again, we could probably go for another hour if we wanted to. Got it. Okay, right. cool. And I'm gonna take you up on that ace freely. I'm let's do, do it. Let's do it. Let's let's do it. You and I will go up and we'll we'll go say hi to Ace. Yes, I like it. I like it a lot. The last time, oh, that's another story for another time. <laughs> there you go. That's the next episode. <laughs> My Ace Freely stories are pretty damn good. Well, make notes. Make notes, and we'll, okay. we'll do another one. You All, right. All right. Frank, thank you so much, man. Peace, Take guys. care. First thing I got to say, I think this is one Mark's going to be sorry he wasn't here for. Well, yeah. Because I, I, just... I, think, I think Mark would be like, so how do I get that Lick It Up test print? Well, exactly. And it was like, it would be, it would have been funny if he would have had a few more things and said, Hey, I want to sell them. And then we would have given him someone else's phone number. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, this ah, so much fun. I mean, again, it, yeah. it's great memories for me because Frank and I worked together for years. I love um, like and, but, but I knew, I knew again, as a fan, I loved it. I knew the fans were going to love this sort of little, behind the scenes discussion of concert merchandising kiss merchandising um you know and 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 frank did a great job you know all the way back into the 70s up through the 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 psycho circus tour right yeah this was this was, was fascinating. fascinating so so homework we got that one where was that print design of the kiss logo over the exploding world test yep. print what shirt was that used on let us know i want to say it's a 96 reunion that was my no. first thought but i don't you know if that came out of the batch of winterland stuff that the lick it up one came out of this would have been not 96 winterland wasn't involved okay well in then, 96 so who so who knows who knows give us, give us, little, the give us some answers because frank doesn't remember maybe we can I mean, jog his memory here stuff our, our listeners are the best, man. You yep. guys know all this. Yep. Um, I, you know, I guess one more concert, or not concert, homework related to concert merchandising. What's your favorite piece of KISS concert merchandise? It Whether it's 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Something you bought at the concert. Yeah, you can't say it's a my garbage can. It's got to be something at the concert. 
whether it's a t-shirt, a button, a jacket, a hat, a tour book, um, whatever it was, you know, and, and I would just wrap up. I didn't realize Winterland was involved with Kiss back in the 70s. Neither did I. I had no, I had no idea. idea. News, news, news to me. You learn something new every, every week on Three Sides of the Coin. That's the goal. Yep. All right. Guys, girls, everybody, that's it. We will see everybody next week. Yep. Bye. You have something to say? Leave a voicemail or send us a text message. Call 320-515 for three sides of the coin. Provided by LarryDavisVoice.com and by JessicaMarsVoice.com. That's Mars with a Z.